Welcome to the 229th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on April 21st, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who is 50% 50% immuno-boosted, Carlos Rodella. Oh, that's right, I am. Halfway there, my friend. Would you like to tell the people what I'm talking about? Yeah, I got my first COVID vaccine shot, and I want to give a quick shout-out to Virginia Mason and Amazon.com because they put on an amazing, like, setup. It's like a pop-up setup downtown Seattle. I thought they were going to say they put on an amazing live show, and I'm like, yeah, they're great! And they rocked as well, yeah. Well, they kind of <laughs> did because everybody there had, like, these little... um you know, like like things in their hand, like pom poms or whatever. You know, and they were like cheering people through. The, Are you serious? The whole You're being thing. serious right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm being serious. It was like a very positive experience. Wow. And then, like <laughs> when we got to the part where they're supposed to take your temperature, you just walk through a hallway, and it's just like taking your temperature. Oh, like like the environmental temperature taking. Yeah. Like Star Trek thing. It was Star Trek. Wow. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm good then. And then um, the lady who gave me the shot it didn't i didn't even feel the shot and she was like laughing with me and then i sat in the little thing and there was a selfie station afterwards it was so cool they, they said congratulations at the end that i was is, like that is it sounds like a party it sounds like a jammy jam it was and so now i made my second appointment which is may 9th go back to the second shot at the same place and i'm like of course i want to come back here you guys are great i want to like have drinks with you that is that i'm surprised there wasn't a bar at the end of it there really should have been there really should have been <laughs> Amazon no, after your second it. shot, there should be a bar, although you're really not supposed to hang out still for two weeks. But That's true. That's yeah. True. Anyways. Uh, anyway, well, congratulations, yes. dude. How did you feel after you got the shot? Yeah, just the arm, a little sore, and then uh, it was, you know what, to be truthful, because people, you know, listening, they want to know what to expect. There's random side effects that happen for everybody, um, and they are definitely worse in the second shot than the first shot. Um, I did experience a couple weird, like, uh, ringing in my ears that night. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's, I don't think I've had that before in my entire life. And it was just a little bit different than I would have normally thought something like a side effect would have been. I just thought it'd be like sick or something maybe, but I wasn't sick at all. I didn't feel like gross or tired or any of that stuff. Um, I just, that night I had a couple weird little ringing things. And then the next day my arm definitely hurt. Like it was sore, you know, like the whole day. Yeah. Yeah, um, mine was but definitely sore too. It's crazy how sore it gets. It was super sore, more than you'd think. And then the, the next day after, though, it wasn't anymore. So it literally is just kind of a, for me, it was just one day. And again, just that evening, there was a couple weird things where I felt like, hmm, that's a little unusual. But nothing that's like, oh, no, I'm like, you know, really, really laid out. You didn't find yourself like randomly walking the streets with your inhibitions lowered or anything like that? <laughs> no. I mean, that's just a random Wednesday. Right? Oh, that's just, that's just your Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, folks, we have a big show, big show, huge show, lots of stuff on the agenda here. Uh, we're going to kick it off as usual with a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, our house is divided down the middle with a big line of duct tape. There's only one thing on my side of the house. I'll save it till the end. We're going to start with your house, Carlos. Lots of stuff on your side, piles of stuff, magazines, old books, yeah. looks like food from last night. We got to clean this stuff up. What is on your side of the house today, sir. I can't even walk on in this side. It's like I don't even know where to sit. You got some stand. hoarding action going on over there. There's yeah. it's weird. It's too much. I'm climbing the stuff. 
Uh, let's just get through some of it. First off, did you see that uh, Mario Sonic dancing video that's on Twitter right now? No, I did not. I haven't heard about it. It's just like at some kid's uh, like uh, party, birthday party, and they have like those two people dressed up as Sonic and one dressed up as Mario. And Sonic's like, I guess, you know, teaching the kids what to do, like do some dance moves. And Mario's just over in the corner, just grooving by himself. <laughs> I have a guy, I'm going to have to look that up. I oh, my that. goodness. He doesn't even care about like entertaining the kids. He's just like getting his groove on. <laughs> and like the last time I looked at it, it has 8 million views already. So, oh, wow. Well, it's um, going to be 8 million and one by the end of the day. 8 million and one. So, check that out for fun. Uh, the other things are more technical. Um, PS3 and Vita stores are brought back online. I just heard. saw that. Yes, they were going to take them down. And then enough, I guess, people were like, wait, we want to still buy stuff from you. So they kept them up. So they're still up. I mean, why would you take them down? Like, you know, like it's got to be minimal. Technology's been established for a while. Sony's rich. They can pay for a couple servers or whatever. There can't be that many people buying you know, Vita stuff or PS3 stuff. I bet the number is pretty small. So what's a hurting? What's yeah. hurting to leave it up? Like, who cares, right? Yeah, the, the cost of, of running those servers. And the games are small anyhow, right? File size. Come yeah, on. they're all way smaller than what we've got now. I mean, so what? Keep it running forever. There's people who have, like, dedicated servers for, like, all kinds of games that have been sunsetted a long time ago, but they can still keep them going. Why, why doesn't a big company like this keep this going when obviously community spirit was against them people were mad about it and i you know i don't know if that's exactly why they changed their mind they're not going to bring back the psp store no but they they will keep the vita store and the ps3 store that's something two out of three but honestly who fucking cares man leave it up so what well ask why no longer because they are going to keep it up you know that's it yeah they're they're good they should never should never have gone down that road well that is there and good for game preservation as we talk about in the show a lot um, also, the PS5, when we had talked about last time, either last show or the show before, and I said there was an update that allowed you to take your games and put them on storage, and you're like, yeah, yeah, no yeah. big deal, right? That's already happened. Exactly, yeah. Well, it's mainly, like I said before, it's about the PS5 games specifically. And why that is important is as I went to my uh, storage drive, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, my storage drive is pretty full. So it's super helpful because you just run out of room. So you might want to take your PS5 game, put it on storage, which you can do now because the PS5 games are pretty huge. And on top of that, when you reinstall the game, it's easier and quicker than to re-download it from the store. You know what I mean? Just like an internal transfer. Yeah. And so it's just a, it's a quicker process than um, sure. doing that. Cool. Uh, that's a cool thing. Other thing that is not so cool, Xbox Series X. I have some headphones. They're not the xbox brand because as we talked about on the show before xbox doesn't really put out their own brand until just recently i think they have uh, worked with another company to put out xbox headphones right i believe so yes i haven't looked into it but i do i I think i've seen them yes yeah they're like super expensive and uh and i've been on the fence with spending more money on headphones but the ones that i have you know on the front of the box say work with xbox series x and I'm looking online, and so many people are having problems with huge name, brand name headphones, Turtle Beach, Steel Series, all of them, not working or cutting out on the Xbox Series X. And this is wireless, I assume. This is wireless. So what happens for me is I was just playing Outriders, and I have my headphones that work with Xbox Series X. Turtle Beach, by the way, huge company, and they just stop working. 
and then they come back on and then they just stop working. So whatever like, you know, near communication they're using in the Series X needs an update because these are like big name companies and they're not like putting crappy, you know, connection, wireless connection in their in their headphones. I just don't understand why because it never has happened ever with the PlayStation. Either my PS4 or PS5, I feel like. It's weird you bring that up because I we don't do hardware reviews at GameCritics.com. I mean, almost never. Almost never do we do a hardware review. But I did one maybe a couple months ago um, because somebody wanted us to try out their Xbox Series X headphones. And so I did. And I had the exact same problem. These ones were designed oh. specifically for the Xbox. I forget what, which one they are. But the review is up at GameCritics. Just search for headphones. It's like the only article there. Um and yeah, I had the same thing. It was like a wireless. The sound would pop in and out, and I like would have to take the uh, the dongle out of the back of the Xbox and plug it back in. It would work for a while. It would cut out. So I mean, I don't know what's going on with Xbox or the headphone technology. That seems like something that should be like a no brainer. But I mean, what I do, and is probably you know maybe it's not acceptable for other people, but I just have like plug in headphones and I just plug them into my controller when I'm playing. No problem at all. I mean, I know that people like wireless, and to me, it's like no big deal. So I don't care. But that's the way it went. And I've had no problems ever since. Okay, so. question for you, though. When yeah. you plug them in, because I've yeah. done that before, mm-hmm. you can't change the volume control very well at all. I mean, it's not super granular. You have to use the um, the the dashboard audio thing. It's not great. I mean, but like, yeah, it's either a little bit too loud or a little bit too soft. But I mean, whatever. I usually have it on the soft side and just kind of go oh, for it. Oh, man, I couldn't do it. So I just need to be fully immersed in my games, mm-hmm. especially like on Outriders or something like that. You're just all the way in. Uh, and you just want to like, yeah, just be in that world. And I'm like, oh, I'll plug in my headphones and not hear it very well. So anyways, it's unacceptable. I'm putting a line in the sand. That's totally fine. Microsoft, uh, as someone wrote on a blog article that I was reading, Microsoft's proprietary connection protocol flat out sucks. That's what someone said. And they're right, and it sucks, and it's stupid. And you just want to play my video games with headphones that I bought. So anyways... That's you would think they get this, this sorted. It's, it's weird that this is a it's problem. It's the new console. Of course they should have gotten sorted by now. Anywho, a couple more pieces of housekeeping. Uh, whoa, Corey, uh, original co-host of this show, mm-hmm. uh, has been playing Cyberpunk and enjoying it quite a bit. Oh, is he tweeting about it or something? He's been tweeting about it. Oh, okay. And so, you know, just fun because, you know, I think both you guys... Um, I'm not sure what your original feelings were on Cyberpunk, but I was just excited to see that he was excited about the game. And he was telling me that he's spent all of his like uh, skill points and stuff like that and, and leveling up in his gorilla arms. <laughs> Is it literally gorilla arms? It's called gorilla arms. And you can just like punch people. And he's like having a lot of fun just punching people across the screen. Uh, so, you know, it's a fun uh, pro tip. If you want to have some new types of fun in Cyberpunk and you're like me where you've you know, basically beating the game and just looking for DLC. Uh, extend those gorilla arms. You know, level up your gorilla arms and start punching people. Cool. I guess it's fun. Like, are, are they cyber gorilla arms? Or are they literally, like, grafted gorilla arms? I want to say they're grafted, but they're not. They're cyber. Okay. All yeah. right. Just wondering. Uh, so, anyways, I thought I'd bring it up. You know, uh, Corey, friend of the show. Co-host of the show. Former co-host of the show, yes. Yeah. Hopefully friend of the show. I'm sure he still is. I, yes, they go hand in hand. Uh, the, I mentioned core, uh, I think last episode, which is a, um, epics game engine as well as game platform. And we talked about 20,000 games being released on the platform. Remember? Yeah. This is supposed to be kind of like a competitor to like 
Fortnite's creative mode or something like Roblox-ish, right? Right. Well, it is just a whole game engine. It's essentially Unreal, mm-hmm. and it also is a discovery platform for new games. So it's where you go in, you can create an avatar, and then you can use a set avatar in any of these games. So if the game is like something like a golf game, then you won't use your avatar. They'll just have you be like a golf ball. But most of the time, they're third-person shooters, they're RPG-type games, and you will use your avatar you made, which is very Fortnite. You know, it's basically Fortnite in uh, some, you know, user-created game. So think Dreams mixed with Unreal, right? Uh, And then that's – and Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, this sounds exactly like Roblox, but with better graphics. Exactly. Uh, But – and also, like, I think a pretty – a big range of styles of games. Sure. I'm not sure how far Roblox goes, but like I, I looked at all the different templates they have because they have like templates you can just like out of the box, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. try. And there was like top down, you know, dungeon crawler. There was like um, third person and first person games. And it just seemed like a lot of different types of uh, templates. But you still need to like be good at making a game. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. if you just do the basic ass thing and put skins on it, it would just look like every other game. So, when it when it comes down to that twenty thousand and that you were skeptical of, you sh- you had right to be skeptical of because there was like fifteen like really really fun games, you know, at yeah. launch. Yeah. And then there's just like yeah, everybody and their mother can make a game. So. See exactly right, like th- that's what it had to be because my son, he loves that kind of stuff, right? Like he doesn't make a lot of his stuff, but he likes to play the player created stuff. I couldn't be further from that. Like that stuff gives me hives, right? But he loves it, so I let him do it. <laughs> hives. He likes to do the creative stuff in Fortnite. Some of that stuff is, you know, is clever, but a lot of it is just garbage, right? And the same thing for Roblox times ten. I mean, there's like five times that I've seen a Roblox game where I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty cool. And there's like nine thousand eight hundred and seventy-four times where I'm like, this is fucking trash. Why are you playing this? This is dumb. And mm. just like terrible. So I had to, I mean, you can't 20,000 games. Give me a break, dude. Like yeah, most of those are trash, a, dude. They have to be trash. There's that no was just way. a box quote for that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but to that point real quick and not too much of a tangent, I did do a, an indie game rant recently on my channel, which you can go watch. Um, but I love indie games, right? So I love uh, user created content, but there's, there are almost two different things. So when you give someone a platform uh, like, and very much with like the templates uh, in place, then you almost limit the idea of what the game might be, right? Like you kind of stifle sometimes creativity because you go, here's a out of the box third person shooter and here's the arena. Just change it a little if you want or change it a lot, but it's not really going to be your vision, you know, or it's harder to make your vision, I think. So, I mean, that goes for like any fucking game, dude. There's so many games when I get... PR for them. And I'm like, why did you make this? Cause this is just like this 15 other things that I already know about. There's no vision here. So that's a, I think it's just like a general creativity problem, but I, I get what you're saying. It sure. might be, but I'm just saying like when I started going in and just like, okay, I'll make a game. I just felt very limited to like, you know, what was set up in front of me. Right. Like right. if I made it like with nothing, like an empty map, then yeah, whatever I created was my creation and whatever. But there's just so much that they kind of default for you in Mm -hmm. core Mm -hmm. that like, oh, this is your Fortnite character. Just use him, you know, or her. Like, this is the one you want to use. So I think it's limiting, and I don't know if we're going to get as much good stuff out of it. Um, While I love indie games, I'm just I'm not sure about the platform now after I've used it. Yeah. Um, Something I am sure about 
is a very cool trailer that I hope everybody goes watches. Uh, speaking of indie games, it's called Harold Halibut. Have you seen it? Halibut, like the fish, or yeah. is it? Yeah, like uh, the fish. No, I have not. I have not heard. I'm gonna look it up right now. Harold okay. Halibut. Okay, look it up. It's like Wallace and Gromit, claymation style looking, with a Wes Anderson film. Kind of mix those two together, and that's the adventure game you have. And sign me up because it just looks like just super cool. Super uh, aesthetically pleasing and and awesome. Cool. I'm going to look that. I've, I have it here. I'm not going to watch it now out of respect for the podcast and for you, but I will watch it immediately after the show. Perfect. And everybody listening, please do that. Uh, last couple things. Oculus Showcase just happened today, one time of this recording, and it was their first. Uh, basically, Oculus got together and said, hey, let's make one of those little digital style events and tell people what we're working on. Is Oculus still a thing? Oculus is very much still a thing. Is it a thing? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I have, and I've mentioned on the show, that I have the Oculus Quest 2, which is what I highly recommend for anybody who wants to get into VR. It's like a $200 entry fee, uh, the cheapest on the market. It is no wires. Um, You don't even have to have headphones. There's a, a place to put headphones, but they have a really great speaker system, so you can just, you know, just put it on, um, hold on to little controllers they give you, which are similar to like PlayStation Move or something, and you're ready to go. So I love the system, and they just showcased a couple games and as well as um, some other things. Here's the thing. I'm going to get you sold by maybe potentially a couple of these games I'll mention. I guarantee you will not. There's okay. literally nothing you could say that would get me to buy an Oculus Quest. Well, right now, now I just want to think of what I could say. Literally nothing Mars, on Earth. Marvel Puzzle Quest. No. No. Nope. VR. Nope. Okay. Literally so here, nothing. Here's the things they mentioned, and I will be the VR person going forward on this podcast. Already are, bro. That is okay. You. Okay, and I, I, I guess I'm saying that I also talk about more VR games on the show. Uh, Pistol Whip, which if you know VR, it's a very good uh, action shooter game. They released, uh, or they're releasing a um, expansion called Smoke and Thunder. Warhammer uh, is everywhere. I guess they really are everywhere, and they have a game called Battle Sister. And I'm very much excited to check it out. And, of course, I'll do that for us. Uh, and it's an action, you know, first-person shooter game in cool. the Warhammer universe. Uh, Lone Echo looks really cool. It actually looks like a game that I'll review next episode, which is called Breathe Edge. Uh, Lone Echo is basically a game while you're in space and VR. looks really cool. This one's very interesting. Resident Evil 4 redone in VR. All the graphics the same but from a per- first-person perspective. Cool. Which, I mean, come on. I love Resident Evil 4, and that's really cool. I love that they spent all the time to do that. Uh, friend of the show, Kinsey Burke, who works at Chu High Labs. Kinsey uh, Chu High Labs have helped uh, put out Carve Snowboarding. So they're helping publish, I believe, um, and produce uh, Carve Snowboarding. It's basically like um, the people who made 1080 Snowboarding back in mm-hmm. the day. Yeah, uh, worked on this game and it's you know, it's VR snowboarding. So idea though, what if instead of carve snowboarding, it was carve a snowboard? You get a piece of wood, and oh in VR, goodness. first person you got a chisel like a this, saw. This is why you don't do VR. This kind of rad, dude. There could be like an online stock <laughs> store storefront. You like carve your board, sell it. I don't know. I feel like, like it's a million dollar know. idea right there. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of the Simpsons when. Bart didn't want to cut the grass, but then he did want to cut the grass in VR. 
Do you remember that? I don't, but I will take you oh, for it. Just real quick. Uh, um, Marge is like, Bart, it's t- time for you to uh, mow the lawn or whatever. And he's like, I don't want to. Then they go to a technology conference and there was like VR housekeeping and cutting the lawn. And he was like, oh, sign me up. <laughs> Anyways, that's a terribly told joke. Uh, it's a visual thing. Okay, so last couple of things. Uh, I love the fact that they did the Oculus uh, showcase. I'm in, you know, do more of those because uh, VR is rad. In my opinion. That's 50, cool. 50% of the show. I believe you think it's rad. No, you be- you know that I... No, that's not how it works. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> what you whatever you just said sounded wrong. What did you say? <laughs> I said, I believe that you think it's rad. You think. See, no, 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 no. No, you I, think. I believe I know, you think. but... Yes. Something's wrong with that statement. <laughs> moving on, moving okay, on. Okay, moving on. Do you know that there's Game Pass for Windows... Uh, yes, I did know that. We never talk about it in the show. My friend reminded me the other day, and he's like, there's like tons of PC games you can get. And now that I have a PC that can play them, I'll check that out soon. So coming forward on the show, I will be talking about some Games Pass games on yeah, PC. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole... I mean, I don't do anything on PC because I've already got more than enough to keep me busy, and I'm not much of a PC gamer anyway, so I kind of ignore it. But yeah, there's tons of stuff, and it's a different selection. It's not all... I mean, there's some crossover with you know Xbox stuff, but there's also... A bunch of stuff that's only on PC as well. From my understanding, I haven't really checked it out. Well, that's what I'm saying. He was he was mentioning some games that seem really cool, and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. And he's like, Oh yeah, they're on your PC on Games Pass. Yeah. So I will check that out for next episode. I'm gonna go load up a bunch of them. Uh, And the last piece of housekeeping, because this I told you, it's a dirty house. Uh, Filthy. There's a rumor that Games Pass is coming to Switch. To switch, you know, yes, and somebody tweeted today, there was a Polish, I want to say it was like a Polish games conference, somebody at Sony, and this may be a hoax, I don't know, this could be false, I'm just, I'm spreading just unproven information here, but apparently Sony's presentation had a slide that wasn't supposed to be in there, and it was along those same lines, it was kind of like a, it wasn't called Game Pass, it was called like, I don't know, Sony's, I don't know, free games for you or some shit, like whatever it was called, Basically, they were like, oh, shit, Sony let it slip. But, yeah, they might have something in the wings as well. Oh, wait, so, like, both of them would be putting something on Switch, potentially. I mean, they, I kind of feel like they have... No, not on Switch. Like, Sony would be putting it on PS5, and Nintendo would be doing it on Switch. Oh, I'm saying t- I'm saying Xbox potentially putting Game Pass on Switch. Yeah. Wait, you're saying you Xbox heard me right. is... Okay, wait a minute. We got to back this up. You're saying... Oh. Hold on. You're saying Microsoft is going to be putting... Uh, Game Pass with with Microsoft branded stuff, making some of those games available to be played on the Nintendo Switch is what you're That's saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I have not heard that. That's new information. Well, whatever you're saying is also interesting. The fact that, and they have to, like you said, PlayStation like has to come to, up with yeah. a Game Pass. And Switch, w- I don't think they would, you know, uh, push come to shove. I don't think they would have to or Nintendo want to. Nintendo doesn't have to do anything Nintendo yeah. doesn't want to do. Right. Yes. But if Game Pass is already like trying to you know, get in there like a Netflix or something. Um, yeah, I don't know this. And also someone said they saw a video, uh, an Xbox video, and there was a switch on the table in the background and they have done that kind of thing. Remember they've hidden objects in little gorilla marketing. They've for done the it. Eagle eyed yeah. viewers. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, um, forgot where I heard the rumor. And then I saw that video with the switch on the background. So that would be very weird. And interesting, but you might have heard it here first. Um, well, you know, that makes sense, though, right? Because um, a couple episodes ago, I forget what the exact topic was, but we eventually started talking about how 
Microsoft is kind of angling to be more of like, not necessarily a hardware, but more of a platform, right? Like whether it means Xbox or PC, or I guess potentially the Switch, as long as you're playing Microsoft games, that's what they really care about. And it would kind of make sense that if they want you to buy into the Game Pass ecosystem, they would make it available to people on the switch for games that i guess can run on the switch i mean that that tracks dude like i would i would say that seems plausible watch and it tracks also because they don't give a shit about their wireless headphones working right they, and they don't get shit about their Neither hardware does nintendo anymore. either so they're in the same well, boat there but i'm just saying like this we're gonna say it here first i'll make i'll put a line in the sand again another line in the sand is xbox gonna become sega i mean it's possible it's very possible i would not be surprised if that was in the future um I, I, wow. I could see that happening. Okay. Well, you, you heard it here first, people. There I'm done go. with the house clipping. That, that's it. That's the I big just, rumor at the end. That's, oh, wait, you I mean, have that's a big drop. I have one. just one thing uh, that I hinted at at the beginning of this, uh, this segment. So recently, okay, so everybody knows, if you listen to the show, that we love Days Gone. I love me some Days Gone. Carlos loves Days Gone. We talked about it for like four episodes. We did like a whole friggin' three-hour spoiler cast on Days Gone. Yep. So we love Days Gone, right? And it's, it's weird because... I just started playing that game for no reason, right? Like, I had finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I was looking at my PlayStation library, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that I bought this, like, uh, two years ago or whatever, and here it is. I'm just going to, on a lark, just start this up. But it seems like since I started playing Days Gone, it has been in the conversation. Not, I'm not saying that, it, you know, everybody's following my lead, although that would make sense if that was true. I think they're following our podcast. I'm just, I'm just putting may, it out there. Maybe they are, because it's been in the conversation so much since I started playing it. And it's just, it's so random. Like, it's so random. But anyway, uh, it, it it went up for uh, PS Plus. It's available right now on PS Plus if, uh, for free. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing these articles coming out of nowhere uh, about the dev team and about a possible sequel. But then the sequel got dropped, apparently. And then there was all this hubbub about the Days Gone team not wanting to be absorbed by the Naughty Dog team. And it was just weird that all this Days Gone stuff is happening when, like, it's been like basically a, a, a graveyard for like two years. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Uh, while we're on this days gone zeitgeist, uh, one of their former creative directors, I believe his name is John Garvin. If I'm not mistaken, did an interview in video games, pretty controversial interview uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, but the one that I think got most people buzzing, it was about last week or maybe the week before, probably last week. He said a couple of quotes, right? And people were asking him, you know, after this information came out that Days Gone sequel was not going to happen, this is what he he basically said. He said, don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if it wasn't supported at launch. If you love a game, buy it at fucking full price. So that is his quote in that article. Um, I have a lot of things to say about this, but I know that you do as well, Carlos. I'm going to let you lead off on this. And why don't you tell us what your take on this whole situation was. This guy... This quote, the whole situation, what do you think? Oh, I, I didn't know you were going to let me lead off. Uh, I can. Um, this is an interesting Folks, way to do like it. Folks, just like to peek behind the curtain before the episode, I said, Carlos, I'm going to toss it to you. I said it like twice. You did. Okay. I didn't know when you meant toss it to me. Okay. I'm tossing it to you right now. I thought Spoiler. You, meant to- you would toss it to me after your hot take. Literally right now is how I know. You, you see how I could see that it was going to be a different way. You were going to give me your hot take on it, and then I was going to you were going to toss it to me. That is the literal opposite of what I said, but let's roll with it. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, and. Yes, um, yes, and. Yes, and. So my thoughts are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically mimic what I think other people are thinking, including you, where 
I mean, you know, when you swear, sometimes people get like, oh, that sounds more intense than it really was because he said, you better buy it at fucking full price. If he just would have worded it differently, right? Like, I wish they would have bought it at full price. People maybe wouldn't be as mad, including you. But I will say this. Um, you can't tell people when to buy something and you don't know when people are going to want to, like you said, pick it up and enjoy it. And, and games, especially nowadays, have such a long tail because they're offered in so many different ways. There's uh, sales, et cetera. People aren't rich and, you know, um, they don't have a lot of money all the time. So they're going to look for deals. That being said, to play the devil's advocate, two pieces of devil's advocate. One, the, the bigger companies are really kind of to blame lots of times, like a Sony or an Xbox or um, a Sony or Microsoft or whoever is at the top line because basically if they say, if you don't sell X amount within X amount of time, then we won't promote you. Then we will drop you from the main head, main um, discovery platforms. You know, you won't be on the home page. Like that stuff is probably pushing. I'm guessing a lot of this. Um, you know what's coming out of his mouth, which is like, "Hey, I wish you would have supported us at the beginning because because our publisher know, fucked us over and gave us a bad deal." Exactly. I'm just saying that might be part of it. Okay. The other part of it, and then I'll... I mean, I agree with you so it. far. That makes perfect sense. Okay. But this part that is just me, and it has nothing... It's not even like a, a point of view, really. It's just my... The way the way that I do things is because I, I know that indie game developers specifically need money and support right away, and it is kind of a time thing because people got to eat and stuff like that, or they want to like put the money back in to make another game. Like one of my friends worked in a game, and they had to pay so much money out to th third parties to help them finish the game. If I didn't support their indie game right away, then they might just be fucked, you know? Like, so that's the indie perspective. I know this is a bigger studio. And the I mean, last, this, is a, this is a full on second party AAA studio. Second party AAA studio, so it doesn't work, but I'm just saying the reasoning, right? Why some of this stuff happens. And the last piece I'll say is I do buy things at full price, like all the almost all the time. And uh, it's just like, because I definitely want to like, because I have the ability to do it, I want to give back as soon as I can. You're John Garvin's favorite person. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm developers' favorite people. I should be because I buy things, you know. For so this I'm podcast. saying you buy stuff at full price all the time. Absolutely. So again, those are three things. I think there's there's the publisher stuff to think about. Um, there's obviously the delivery, which is probably not the best way to do it. And then there's just me, who I already buy it at full price, so I'm kind of like nixed out of the conversation. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I mean, most of that I agree with, right? Like, I mean, the first thing is, I think there's this attitude lately. Uh, and by lately, I mean, I don't know, the last couple of years, maybe longer than that, probably longer than that, of blaming the consumer for stuff that really isn't the consumer's fault. Consumers are going to do what they're going to do. Everybody's on a limited budget. They're going to like what they want to like. They're going to follow the trends. Uh, not every consumer is in a position to buy every game at full price, right? Uh, and I think that blaming the consumer for not stretching themselves past what they're comfortable with is a failing of management. Like, uh, you know, if you're expecting huge sales on opening weekend, but there was just another recent opening weekend and people spent all their money on that, or if there's something else big going on in the world, maybe there's a big movie going on and people go see the movie instead of buying a game. I mean, who knows, right? There's a million reasons why somebody doesn't buy a game. If you have the kind of deal like what this guy is alluding to. I mean, obviously I don't know the exact specifics. He didn't give specifics, but his clear intention was we didn't sell big in the opening launch window. Therefore all potential of a sequel was nixed. 
that's crazy, right? That's super crazy. And for reasons that you kind of alluded to, a lot of games have really long tails. With eShops now, like you don't have to go buy a game in GameStop that opening weekend. You can buy it directly from the PlayStation Store at any point for like the next who knows how long, right? Like, so there's always an opportunity to pick up more sales as you go. But to blame the consumer for a bad deal on the publisher side, that doesn't make any sense, right? That's just, that's crazy. It's kind of, it reminds me of a lot of the Metacritic thing, right? Where, where people uh, who are publishers will look at Metacritic and be like, well, if your game doesn't rank an 85, then you're not going to get your bonus. Metacritic has fuck all to do with that. That is an arbitrary line that the, the publisher decides and mm-hmm. the developer feels compelled to agree to it because they want this deal, right? But it's not Metacritic's fault. Fucking, they're just collecting reviews, man. They didn't set out to become like the dominant force in the games industry. They just are a site doing what they're going to do. So it's like misappropriation of that on the publisher side. And I feel like that is the same kind of thing here. Publishers making really like crazy deals, harsh demands, wanting to have strict sales uh, goals. And if that stuff doesn't meant like fuck the, the devs, that doesn't make any sense. I right. Mean, but it's is, crazy. Isn't that what this, uh, this kind of tweet or whatever it was it kind of bringing to light? Like, yes, it's the wrong person to blame, but it's coming from someplace, right? Like that, that vitriol, or that madness. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just misplaced. I think it's he should misplaced. be talking yeah. about the shitty deal that Sony gave them. Not that people didn't buy it all, um, at the beginning. And okay. So like, here's, there's another couple issues here, right? Developers. I know that developers listen to this podcast and I love you all. But let's be fucking real for a second, okay? People have gotten real goddamn lazy now that consoles are basically online all the time. Whole big trend of ship it now, fix it later, right? That happens all the time. In fact, we say on the show, or at least I do, the best time to ever play a game is six months or maybe even a year after launch because by that time, it's been patched, it's been rebalanced, it's been fixed, all the bugs have been worked out. People who buy at launch are the people who get the absolute worst experience. And in fact... Well, that's... Okay, well, I disagree with that, but go ahead, continue. I mean, like in terms of bugs and technical stuff, that is that's a fact, dude. Like, it's not a fact. Though. Not it all is the a time. fact. It is Why not is it not a fact? Why is it because not? it's not? I can t- give you like eight million examples of a game I bought at launch, worked perfectly, beat the game, there was no bugs. So that doesn't. That's just that's specific games. That's all. I mean, if you want to break it down to specifics, sure. Yeah. But I think in general, in terms of the industry, I mean, I'm getting emails all the time from PR who's like. Day one fix coming in, hot patch coming in. It hey, happens. I'm not lying that, that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying we can't make a blanket statement that say I'm going to make that blanket statement. You can. I, I can say it and I'm doing it. And I'm saying <laughs> without any without any doubt, it doesn't matter what game it is. You will have the optimal experience six months or a year after you buy it. Because even if it works at launch, you'll get DLC. You'll get extra content. You'll get other stuff later on when you buy the deluxe edition that they want to get those secondary sales at whatever, like people who buy right off the bat are getting the worst experience. Not to say that it's always a bad experience, but it's always better later. Like that's just how it is. We will agree to disagree. I do not, I do not believe that. That's totally fine. We're going to move on. Um, But like people are famous for like shipping first and fixing later, which is terrible. And like our own review at game critics for, for days gone slammed this review or that game for being so fucking buggy. Like Jared Mm -hmm. Johnston who reviewed this game, he list he, li- he had a laundry list of problems with the game, right? So like, how can you possibly be mad that you shipped this game, which was full of fucking bugs and barely ran on the PS4 from all accounts? Every single review says it's chugging. It doesn't run. The frame rate's terrible. It's too much game for the PS4. How can you ship that and then get mad when people don't buy it when the reviews are like, stay away? Like you can't, you can't get mad about that, right? I mean, we're supposed to just like 
give you our fucking money for a game that doesn't work and is full of bugs and then that's like what you're you owed that money like we owe that to you like i don't yeah. think so right i i think uh and i did play it at launch and it wasn't it didn't crash all the time and again there's like um it's very easy it's a very good um game of telephone you know the internet and media and stuff like that so when one person says oh this game crashes all the time then everybody says the game crashes all the time so i played it at launch and i'm a person and i'm a real i think i'm real I'm pretty sure you're real. I will. I will okay. concede that point. Yes, you and are real. It didn't crash at all. Okay, like the whole time it didn't crash, and then it it did like get a little choppy, and it was running, you know, tough at times with the bike because it was trying to push the PS4. But I still had the normal experience, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't like whatever you're talking about, like the worst thing in the world. But that being said, I think this whole thing comes down to what we originally said. It's just misplaced uh, because. There, there's definitely some pressure for these developers. And again, it doesn't matter if you're indie or if you're like double A or, or kind of mid-tier triple A even. Like you're still getting a publisher going like bearing down your neck going like, uh, hey, you got to do this in this amount of time. And if you don't, then yeah, you might be screwed and you might not make Days Gone too, which is what's happening. So I think he's just frustrated and I think he's uh, does it, he misplaced you know the uh the anger towards the consumer yeah i mean i agree I agree so 100%. we agree on that part and then we just disagree on some of the little bits in between so i mean that's fine well i mean one final thing to bring up uh, one of the points you mentioned um you know if you love a game buy it at fucking full price well people don't know they love a game until they've had i mean a chance to play it perhaps maybe they've heard word of mouth from their friends read some reviews you don't know you love a game until you buy it there's no way for you to know that yeah that's bad wording you're right i mean you can't <laughs> there's no way like even if you have even if you like game number one when the sequel comes out you might think you'll love that game you hope yeah, you love that yeah. game but you don't know you be, love that game until you play it it'd be like asking you to like love the new movie that just came out like love king kong versus godzilla you know, and then and buy it at full price. By the way, I did rent it at full price, but I didn't love it. So yeah. I mean, and and the problem with that, I mean, granted, he maybe maybe he misspoke, maybe he didn't. But the problem is, although there are some certain circumstances which you can get a refund back, like a lot of places, you still can't get your money back if you buy a game, right? So like, you want us to give you grace? Yes, buy our game, the game that was broken that we shipped that needed a lot of fixing and stuff, and that you don't know that you even like. Please buy that at full price. Or don't even say please, just fucking buy it at full, at full price. But if we don't like that game, it's fuck the consumer, man. There's so many places where you can't get your money back. Walmart will not give you your money back if you buy a game and end up you don't like it. You know, GameStop or whatever will not give you money back or whatever. Like, there's only very, very limited circumstances where you can get that money back, uh, especially on console. So it's like you want, again, looking at the consumer to, like, take all the risk, take all the burden to fund everything that you're doing when that's it's not a two-way street. Like, it's not both ways. So I feel yeah. like... This guy got off. I get he's frustrated, right? I don't know what his deal is. Uh, I recommend everybody go to Video Game Chronicle. Is it Video Game Chronicle? Video Games. Excuse me. VideoGamesChronicle.com. Read the, the interview. There's also other issues brought up in this, which I'm not going to talk about now, but I think it's worth reading. Uh, this guy, I feel like, was hot under the collar for the wrong reasons. I think we're both agreed on that. And although I do love Days Gone, and I do recommend that people buy it now. I think it's great on the PS5. Uh, if you don't already have it for free or if you don't have a chance to get it for free, buy it. I think it's great. And uh, this guy just is full of hot air and he really should have thought twice before talking, I think. Yeah, well, it'll bring up a good topic for us on, uh, on, on a future podcast because I, I don't want to uh, leave that alone. The idea that, you know, even if you're a, a bigger developer and you're not even indie, you might not get to make your second game just because of some fucking quotas, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's what maybe is really trying to be a uh, light shined on. So let's, let's revisit it. 
Um, but, you know, I mean, exactly. That would be a great podcast because the reality these days is so different. Online stores, building an audience, community engagement, people doing streaming and stuff like sales and like word of mouth. Like you can sell a game for years, man. Like having this launch window well, is insane. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's like the, yeah, just like the movie industry hasn't like, you know, they're, they're finally catching on to like how to do VOD and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. And by the way, that a pandemic had to happen for them to like <laughs> fucking figure it out. Fortunately. Yes. Um, and I, I'm, I don't say that lightly at all. Um, but I'm just saying like, that's the kind of uh, talk we have to have, you know? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about video games. That, let's that was talk about video games. That was a lot of housekeeping. The house is now clean on both sides. We're leaving the house. We are going to talk about games. Okay. We are into the main content of the show. I must apologize to the listeners before we talk about our first game, which is the Resident Evil Village demo. We talked about the um, the first demo, which came out a couple weeks ago, or maybe last month or two months ago, whatever it was, uh, which was kind of just like a graphical showcase. You did a little bit of puzzling. It was a pretty short thing. This is supposed to be the gameplay demo. Carlos, I know you played it. We're going to let you talk about it in a second here. And you, you texted me, and you're like, oh, yeah, the... The village demo's up. Go play it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play it for the show. I downloaded it, and I was really super busy. I had, like, three other things I needed to play for Game Critics. And then yesterday, I sat down, got my wife to sit down next to me on the couch, and I'm like, I'm going to pee my pants. I need you to keep me company. We start playing the game, and it's like a big fucking ticker comes up on the screen, and it says, the next time this demo's available is in four days and 12 hours. And I'm like, what? I didn't read. Like, people said it was a time-limited demo, which I thought to mean... You can only play it for half an hour because that's what the first demo was like. You could only play it for half an hour, and then it cut off. I'm like, yeah, that's no problem. I got through the whole demo in that time, no problem last time. No, 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 no. You got to play it on that one day. Like it was not <laughs> available was, after that day. You're right on both accounts, though. It was double timed. You could only also play it for 30 minutes too. What the fuck? I was like, are you kidding me? I was busy that day. Okay, yeah. I, I like here I, I am sh- two days later, couldn't play it. That's on me. I, I guess I should have told you that. I thought maybe you knew for some reason. Did but, not know. Did not know. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. So, okay, but you played it. I played it, yeah. Uh, and we, yeah, we both played Maiden, which is the kind of visual. Maiden, that's right. And this is Village, right? This is Village. This is the game. Like, this is not just uh, the first one was more like just walking through things and you're not exactly. really doing the action. This is like full on. You have all the abilities and stuff like that. So okay. um, I have a love-hate relationship with Resident Evil, which we've t- probably talked about on the show. I got frustrated with parts of seven um, boss battles and stuff like that feel weird. And I finally, after this demo realized my main problem uh, or like at least kind of issue with this, with the franchise, which I'll tell you at the end, but this demo, Oh man, way to leave us hanging there. Yeah. It's a, it's a suspense. It's called uh, foreshadowing. Okay. Um, so this is the, the village demo. The, the game is called village, but also there's two different demos. The second one that you'll be able to play is called the castle demo. Okay. We're actually in the castle, and this one you're in the village. Uh, and that's how the differentiations. Um, so it's, you know, not the very beginning of the game, but it's early on, and you're looking around a village, and you, the basic Resident Evil stuff is there, find pieces to fit in puzzles. Um, but the, you get to kind of test out the, the shooting and kind of like, you know, the attacking zombies kind of mechanic. And it's very good. Like it really feels good and responsive. And I put it on easy. Because I don't want to just, I just wanted to finish it, you know? That's what civilized people do. Yeah, especially nowadays with us being so busy um, with games. So, you know, it was, it was, you know, a little challenging and fun. And some of the monsters came around and no spoilers in this at all. But it was, uh, it was fun and it felt more of like an action demo. Like, uh, this is how you're going to fight enemies in the game. 
And then there were story bits, definitely for sure. And it had that kind of same Resident Evil, hey, something's going on here that's not quite right. Oh, wait, everything's terrible. Oh, now something's on fire. <laughs> I've got I've got to run away. The person that I thought I liked, oh, they're dead. Yeah, now they're all dead. Yeah, they're dead. That's not a spoiler because that happens in a breath. That's I, like every single every Resident, Resident Evil. Evil. Yeah. yeah, that's that is the, the through line. Yes. Um, and you know, graphics looks really good. I mean, not like anything that blew me away, but it was like first person, visually nice and dark, and you know, a kind of creepy town and creepy people and good facial animations. Nothing exciting in this demo. A spoiler. It's like <laughs> it's really just kind of an actiony, like. Uh, but the action wasn't exciting. No, not, I mean, it was just, you know, killing zombies. I've seen, I've done all these things a million times. So okay. nothing interesting. It's it's essentially Resident Evil. Uh, and then the story bits were very much like 7. Uh, it felt just like 7, actually. And then it ended really fast because this thing is, a like I said, time demo. Uh, I did get to the ending. Uh, I watched Alana play it, and she didn't get to the ending because she, like, walked around too much in, like, the fields and then... She got close to the ending, and it said, time's up, uh, which is, yeah, disturbing, because uh, you want to get to the 30-minute demo. And who is Alana for our listeners? Oh, Alana Pierce on YouTube. Okay, gotcha. Everybody should know her by now. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, it was entertaining. I didn't feel scared. It's not a scary demo. So if, okay. you, were, if you were worried, and I don't think you can play the original demo now. I think you have to play the next demo, which is the castle one. Uh, oh, no, no. The third time it's going to be available, you'll be able to play both. So after four days, well, when this is recording, who knows when, but the next one, the castle demo, you'll play. And then after that, they're going to make the, both of them available again. And that's the third time and the last time you can play demo. So you'll be able to play it and you'll see that it's not a scary demo at all. And I'm guessing the castle one's going to be with the lady with the big gazumbas. And by that, you mean claws? No, she's got like... <laughs> She's chesty. Come on. Everybody, the internet's talking about it. Come on. The internet's talking. The internet's talking. So I guess my question to you, uh, Carlos, I guess, are you sold on this? Are you excited? You're going to jump in? Are you like cautiously excited? Like where are you, where are you standing on resident evil eight slash village right now? You know, I, I, it's, it comes down to, um, my, my main issue, which I've decided what it is. And I'll come to that in one second of the, with the franchise, but like, I'd like the action a little bit better. I felt more control somehow. Like, I didn't feel as, like, powerless. You know, you know me in this podcast. I want to feel a little bit empowered in my video games. And I know horror games are about not that. They're supposed to, like, take the power away from you, have you run around, and hope that you can make it out alive. But I definitely felt like I could hold my own with the shooting stuff in this game. Okay. So that gave me some hope to be like, oh, I might, if I can feel a little bit empowered in the shooting sections then I'll deal with like the disempowerment, you know, like drag me through the hall for a segment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, in general, I felt a little bit better after this demo about the series. If it gives me more of those action moments, I'm in. Um, but this is my final thing about the franchise in general. And it will come back up in this podcast when we talk about another game. So foreshadow okay. Okay. number two. Foreshadowing number two, double foreshadowing. Is, is that it eight shadowing then? No, it's just uh duo shadow. Uh, I don't know. Four I don't times know. two. Whatever. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a shadowing. Uh, yes, and. So what yes it is and. is that it, it's <laughs> it's the, the dreamlike quality of the world makes me as a video game player confused about what the stakes are in the game. And what I mean by that is 
as you know, if you played any Resident Evil game, something that most of you or a lot of you probably love is that it doesn't make sense. Like nothing fucking makes sense in these worlds. Like I don't not, like that at all. You don't what like that? I don't. I don't like games that don't make sense like that. Not in not in a game like but this. But they don't though, because Resident Evil Seven, your hands off, but your hands back because it's stapled for some reason, and you're dead. Oh yeah, I saw you die. You saw yourself die. No, you're just kidding. You're alive. Oh wait, the other person, you cut their head off and you blew them up and you burnt their body and then you dug a grave and you stuck them in the grave and then there's no more grave. Oh, they're fine. They're fine. They're back they to explain, life. I didn't play Resident Evil 7. I thought there was an explanation for all that. There's like an never explanation. explanations. That's my problem, Brad. Anyways, I'm a little bit heated because what happens is if it's a game that's dreamlike and then that's the whole game, you go, okay, I'm going to go with it. But there's like real world stuff in these games and then there's not. And so I, I get so confused on what I'm playing and that that like um, lack of grounded this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable like more than scary stuff because i go oh i'm gonna feel empowered and i shot the zombie in the head and i i shot a bunch of things and i found the puzzle piece and now i can open the door oh guess what when you open the door brad guess what happens i don't a, know a, a big vampire this is not a spoiler i'm just making this up a big vampire comes out takes your gun you don't have a gun anymore forget it you you, you know have a gun and also kills you and then you're back to life and then do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I I don't like that quality in games for the reason that I don't like it when I can't I don't know what the rules of the game are, or maybe the game keeps yes. changing the rules as I go, and then I, I have a very tough time feeling invested because you maybe have a strategy for what you're going to do, or maybe yes. you plan, or maybe you think you know how it works, and then the developers do something that's really unexpected, or maybe that doesn't have any any prior uh, precedent in the game, and so you get thrown for a loop, and then. If that happens too much to me, I kind of just like mentally check out because I feel like you've holding all the cards. I don't really have any power exactly. in the situation. And I don't like to feel as though I'm just blindly going along with whatever you want. Like if you're going to, if you're, I mean, teach me the rules of your game, let me play. And then I would like to feel successful based on what you have taught me, but you can't keep changing the rules, right? Let me present a game to you. It's called Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, how many of you played? Because that's what they do. I mean, definitely more days, more times, like in seven is where they, I feel like I really got introduced because we were just talking about four before the podcast or no, on this podcast in the Oculus uh, showcase. And I feel like four was more grounded. Uh, and, and I don't know, I don't think I even played five and six. Maybe I did. But seven was like this thing I'm talking about where you feel like you're just in a horror movie and it's not the rules are out the window. And that's why I just get frustrated. Well, I can't say to seven because I was too scared to play. I think I bought it. I'm, I'm sure that I bought it at some point. I have never played it, so I can't say about that. But I do. I mean, like, for example, like, you know, I, I don't like it when, um, like you said, like random stuff happens. So I'm fine with Resident Evil. I played many Resident Evils in the past. And as long as I know what the rules are, you must have a ribbon to save at the typewriter. You must get to the typewriter. You must have an herb. Like, like, don't change those rules. Once I know what the rules are, I'm fine to deal with whatever it is. But don't keep me guessing don't pull the rug out from under me basically. they're there they're there and i won't talk about it anymore after this they're there those <laughs> things right like combine this with this and make herbs and medicine right and you have so much ammo and get more ammo then you can shoot more zombies but then what seven i feel like introduced which again might, a lot of people might like is that kind of weird mystical horror element even more so where like yeah people that are dead aren't dead um things that happen to you haven't really happened to you you know and that is 
again, interesting for a horror movie, but as a player, I just don't find it fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. All That's right. my thoughts. That's my thought. But I'm definitely going to play the castle demo and see if this more agency with the actions uh, side of it keeps up. Right. And if it does, then maybe I'm in. Well, I would like to play the demo, but I have a fucking life. And sometimes I can't play game when Capcom wants me to play a game. I love you, Capcom, but that was a dirty trick. So hopefully this demo will be available more widely in the future. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Moving on, a couple things from me here. Uh, first, I want to give a mention of a game called Say No More, I believe. Did you talk about this oh in the podcast goodness, earlier? Oh, my you played it. We, we should talk more in text <laughs> <laughs> because I forgot that I was going to replay that, and I had brought it up originally on this podcast. Yeah, so I feel I'm like interested. you brought it up a while ago. So I just, yeah. I just played the entire thing right before the show. Oh, wow. Uh, it's short. In. I didn't know it was that short. It's like 90 minutes long. Uh, played it from start to finish. And for people who don't know, I'm playing it on the Switch. Uh, basically it's kind of a retro looking super blocky people. Uh, you play an intern who goes to a company and the company wants you to do all sorts of crappy things. Like people are like, make my coffee and make these copies and do all my work for me and pay my parking tickets and all this other stuff. And you kind of take it at first, but then somebody steals your lunchbox, uh, cause uh, it's a pretty lighthearted game, uh, steals your lunchbox and that's just, it's too far. So then you find the power to say, no, I'm not going to get into all the, the, the microscopic details here, but basically you learn how to say no. And your ability to say no, like scares people or like throws them off their game and they get flustered. And so you start saying no to everybody. And then that kind of empowers you to kind of stand up for yourself. Uh, it's kind of like an on rails shooter, sort of, because your person walks forward automatically. And then um, I don't want to call them enemies, but like your your crappy co-workers will jump in front of you and they'll be like, get me some coffee. And then you will be like, no. And then they get blown out of the hallway and then you just keep walking on rails. It's pretty, pretty automatic. There's not a lot for you to like interact with. Yeah. People it's, like actually go flying at times. They literally go flying out the door yeah. or out the window or whatever. So, I mean, the underlying message of this game is something that I really like. I mean, it's all about like self-care, taking care of yourself, not over committing, not overextending yourself. It's about expecting better from your coworkers. It's about, you know, not just saying yes because you need a job, but hopefully that that employer will respect you and, Will treat you well uh, it's about being yourself i mean the game seems pretty queer in a lot of ways like there are some female character models that have a male voice there are some male character models that have a female voice there are some that are in the middle and it's never it's not a thing it's just like that's just how the world is um and so it seems to be pretty queer friendly in that respect which i think is good um but so overall i love the message i love the positivity it's really high energy candy colored graphics like really upbeat so i like it from that perspective uh, but I will say that actually playing the game, I found it to be really boring. I was really bored and really not engaged in playing it because it basically plays itself and there's not a lot you can do. Um, Is it because of the on rails part of it? No, not even, not even. Um, oh. It's like you have a couple different ways. to say, You have four different ways to say no. You have like angry no, sarcastic no, wacky no, and like cold shoulder no. Oh, and you and can you, laugh at them, right? You can still yeah, laugh you can, at them. Yeah, you can laugh, you can clap. Yeah. You can um, nod your head like you're going to agree, but then you don't agree. And there's <laughs> Which like I one love doing that. Yeah, yeah, you're like, nah, oh, no, no, actually, no. Exactly. So you basically got four, like, like four no's and four, like, motions that can go with it. And that's the, that's the entire extent of the game. And it doesn't really matter which one you do. Um, the thing that I had a problem with was, like, when, pe when people come up to you, they start talking, and you can just hit no right away. And it, even if it doesn't make sense with what they're saying, like, they'll you'll cut them off, like, right in the middle of a sentence before you even know what they want. And it's kind of like 
there's not really any real interaction happening. Like people are flying, stuff's happening, you're moving forward on the rails, but it doesn't feel like you have any impact on what's going on. Like you push the button, you say no, the guy flies out of the way. But so what? Like you didn't have to really do anything. Like I thought that you would have to like figure out the right way to say no in order to get them to comply with you. But like 99% of the time, it just doesn't matter. Like you can Wait, just jam yeah, whatever no. I have a question for you though. Cause yeah. when I played the demo, um, yeah. there was definitely like story content where by me saying no and doing different things, you're right. It didn't matter what type of button yeah. I pressed, but it did like continue the story. Like I got something from it. Did it, did it does it do more cutscenes like that? It just rolls on. Like you see the whole story from start to finish, basically no matter what you do. I don't think there's a way that you can lose. I don't think there's a way you even stop. You just keep rolling, like no matter what you do. And at one point, like you may have to charge up a no, like make a really emphatic no, but that's about as, that's all they ask from you, right? Hmm. So like I thought there was going to be like, maybe somebody would be, you know, he would be totally impervious to your angry no, but then he would get scared off by your chilly no or something. And it's just, it didn't really matter. Like I, I didn't feel like I was actually listening to people. I didn't feel like what I did had any difference. Uh, the whole thing kind of felt like it was playing itself. And I, I got to say, like, a lot of times it didn't make sense. Like, I wanted multiple times to say yes to some people. Like, there are some friendly characters. And sometimes you're in a situation where saying no doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the game kind of bends over backwards so that when you say no, it still works anyway. And that was like, like, come on. Like, why don't you give me, like, a yes or a no? Maybe there should be a section where... I have to like listen carefully and then decide yes or no. Or maybe I get a rating if I say no to nice people and I say yes to shitty people. Maybe I get a bad, bad rating or something like I it sounds weird to say this, but I kind of wanted it to be like a little bit more gamified. Like I felt like it was just it felt to me like a 15 minute video that right. ended up being a 90 minute game. But there wasn't really a lot of game there. So even though I really liked the vibe, the graphics, the me I love the message. Like it's all super positive and queer friendly and it's all good. But just playing it was like fucking boring, dude. I really wanted something else to do in that game. I have I have two things to say about that. One, yeah. I think you're right about the yes and no. If 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 they could have added the just yes for like you said, like friendly characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even in the demo, I felt like times I didn't want to like just blow everybody away <laughs> with a no, uh, or like laugh at them. So it works on the characters who are mean to you. Exactly. But, but it would it'd be nice to add that. And I think that wouldn't have been too much more development time, you know? It's literally so, only one more word. Well, <laughs> you know, there's more than that. I honestly. know it's more complicated because than that. Being facetious, I, but. I actually did see um, a talk with the developer. I think it's just okay. one guy. And he so two things. One, yeah, it's one person developing the whole game. And so obviously games are tough, but if he would have done the yes branch, it was probably a whole other branch of, sure. you know, for every character. Way more complicated, I'm Way sure. more complicated. Secondly, I would say, and these aren't like in defense, but just kind of like what I'm thinking, uh, like uh, there's many games that we talk about in this podcast that are indie games that are sh short experiences. Sometimes I'm fine with them just kind of being on rails um, because I just want to hear, like you said, like perspective, different perspective or something. Um, how I should think about the world differently or whatever. And in this, there's a really cool motivational guy. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And and he, that's just comedy. So I'm like a big fan of any comedy in games. So I like just watching that segment. <laughs> I didn't even need to play it. So in, my, in the line of defense for that, I just like sometimes it can just be a funny experience. Um, but I also agree with you that I wish there was a yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I meant. Like, I, if it had been like a 15 or 20 minute, like really micro game, 
and they just really played up the comedy and saying no to everybody made sense. Like that would have been, I've been fine. Like my, my issue is not that this game is too short. It's just that saying no is your only form of interaction. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And sometimes yeah. it, it just doesn't go. And it, like, it doesn't even feel like it even matters like what you're doing. So it's just, I get the, I get it. And I, I like it on one level, but like as a 90, I mean, and even at 90 minutes, it felt too long, right? Which is crazy because 90 minutes is like the blink of an eye compared to something like Assassin's Creed or whatever. So I, I don't need 80 hours of it, but it's like it didn't even have enough content to keep me occupied for like 90 minutes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I wish it would have been shorter and just more pointed. But Yeah, and I again, I, I would say, <clears throat> I would reiterate that um, I just, I bet you his next game will be like what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like this is like his first stab at like making a comedy thing with an interesting dynamic. And lots of times that second game, just like that second album, yeah, yeah. is like the fuck. And we're and then we'll be revisiting, you know, his next game on this podcast. Gonna be like, oh yeah, you know. Well, it's going in the right direction. I mean, a lot of this game, I think there is. It's just really likable. I just wish that it was more complicated and this more more chew on. But yeah, I it totally is. Agree. It is going in the right direction for sure. Um, next game I want to talk about is currently under embargo, but it will no longer be embargoed by the time this episode goes up. It's called Smelter. Um, I don't know anybody that's really playing this or anybody that even really knows about it right now. Uh, granted, under embargo still, but you would think that they would have some PR videos or maybe it would be on some YouTuber's channel or something. Maybe it is, but I haven't heard anything about this. It's really under the radar right now. Um, so I definitely want to bring a little bit of attention to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Carlos, did you ever play Act Razor on Super Nintendo back in the of day? Of course. Mm -hmm. It's like a mixture of, was it strategy and action RPG or something? Yep, 2D platforming and top-down top god down. sim yeah. mode thing yeah. two great tastes that taste great together when they are done by act razor other people have tried to do that thing where you have a god mode where you're managing a town and then sometimes you get like some side-to-side -side action very few people have been able to pull that off almost nobody act razor on snes is like the only time i've ever felt like that really pops um but these people behind smelter are giving it their own stab and so far i gotta say i really like what they're doing uh, so in the vein of ActRaiser, it is a part of it is 2D platforming, pixel based. Um, the other part is a top down town management, but also kind of a real time strategy um, kind of blend. And you go back and forth between the modes. You do some platforming, you collect some items, get some resources. You go back to the top down view and then you like build houses and set up some soldiers and defend yourself from attackers. You get past that, then you go back into the 2D view to get some more stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm having some pollen issues right now. Pardon me, folks. Oh, it's um, warm here in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. But it's going it's really well done so far. I'm not too far into it, but I really like what I've seen. The story is a little bit interesting. Uh you start off as Adam and Eve, like literally the biblical Adam and Eve. Uh something happens to Adam, and then Eve is the only one left. She finds um a character who says he's like an angel uh asterisk on that i really don't think that he is in any <laughs> in any way shape or form but she's eve she's like so innocent she doesn't know right so eve teams up with this this creature uh and what happens is he becomes like armor that she wears when she does the 2d section of course so, like she puts it on she goes inside a level and this this monster demon angel whatever he is protects her and there's like multiple moves he can like toughen her defense they can do double jumps there's a little um, energy claw that pops out of the back of her armor to grab stuff. Um, the 2D platforming is pretty good. I feel like it's pretty tight. It feels pretty good. There's definitely a pretty high skill ceiling on it because um, the regular platforming levels are just... I think anybody could probably get through those. 
but you come across little special levels that are like challenge levels and those are fucking hard. I haven't been able to finish a single one. Um, so those are really tough. You can come back to those if you want to, or you can just keep progressing the story, which is what I've been doing. Um, so the platforming feels really good. Jumping, grabbing, you know, lots of stuff to do. It's very kinetic. It feels really tight and tuned. The graphics are great. I love the graphics. It looks very nice. Yeah. And then you get to the great. top down stuff. You're looking at it right now. Yeah. Sorry. I'm checking it out. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really good. And the top down stuff is really good too. I haven't gotten too far into that either, but it feels good. It's small. It's manageable. You build little houses, you get little soldiers enemies come from the outskirts and you kind of defend them. You kind of run back and forth and like fix your houses and fix your barracks and stuff when they get damaged and, you know, make sure that you can withstand the assault. And then once that's done, you open up a new level for the 2d part, go back and forth. It feels, feels good. It's, it's great. The graphics are great. The writing is actually surprisingly comedic. Um, not every joke has landed, but many of them have landed. And I feel like it's definitely going for a lighter, lighter hearted sort of tone and definitely like doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, so there's lots of yucks to be had in the script, which is good. Overall, I mean, I think this is a pretty cool game. I'm still playing through it. I believe I will probably review it for Game Critics. No promise there, but I think I will. I just, I'm digging it. It played it on the Switch. It runs great on the Switch. Feels very good. So I'm surprised. I haven't seen more about it. Again, under embargo, but I would, I would think there'd be more buzz around this one. But hopefully me talking about it on the show here will get some eyeballs its way. Uh, again, this is smelter uh coming to the switch and i believe one more day so by the time that this show is up is it also on playstation yep yep i just saw it come up in the coming soon page oh excellent so maybe like it's a multi-platform release then but it should be coming out tomorrow so that by the time this show is live i'm guessing it's going to be on all the stores okay so i just want to say a couple things one it's anime eve so i'm looking at the art and she's like an anime like anime eve how do you mean like Anime, like anime, like the the, car- the cartoons. <laughs> Just that, that visual style? Yeah, yeah, the visual style. It's like a very anime kind of like looking Eve. It's yeah, not it's like, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good anime. It's not like, it's not photorealistic or anything. It's no, 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 like, no. You know, um, yeah. yeah, the action looks great. And I'm just wondering, because I, I saw it pop up on the PlayStation 4 store. And I'm wondering if the tower defense part, not defense, but like the management stuff. Yeah, yeah. Will, will be easy on, with a controller. Um, but you're saying it's easy on Switch. So then I guess that's yeah. a yes. Yeah, I've been playing it so far. I'm hoping my so here's my fear, right? My fear is that the tower defense part will get too tough. I don't know that it will. Uh, so far, it's been totally fine, no problem. But I feel like in most of these kinds of games, that's usually where it trips up, where the the tower defense just gets really unmanageable. So I'm hoping that they keep it in check, and if it stays at about the level that it's been at, I'll be very happy. So fingers crossed on that. Yeah, and there's also bosses. It seems like. Yep, there are there are bosses 2D and there's bosses in the overworld too. Wow, that's real. It's really cool looking, and it's a really cool lab. We haven't really seen that style of game for a while, so uh, definitely say people should check it out. Yeah, there you go. Smelter coming to the store. By the time you hear this, it's probably already in whatever platform you want to play it on. So there you go, Carlos. Turning it back over to you. Uh, a game I know literally nothing about. Ruvato Original Complex. What is it? Where are you playing it? What is what is the deal with this game? Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's yes, it's a very memorable, very catchy name. Ruvato Original Complex. It's, Ruvato, I'm guessing original anime complex. Japanese game of some sort. There's some anime-ish, but uh, the actual graphics uh, of the like cutscenes or like the what do you call it when it just shows like a picture profile picture? I always get that wrong. Like, like when, when they're d- talking. When they're talking, yeah. I mean, I think that's right. Just a little portrait picture and some portrait text picture. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the portrait pictures for some reason uh, are 3D like CG style <laughs> okay 
and it just feels not great. So I don't know. Mm. That's uh, that's an art thing that I don't like. And by the way, you would hate it because <laughs> I know I'm your look style. It up right now. And yeah, look at the pictures of the little um, profile pictures. So what I, kind of game is? What are we talking about? Yeah, is this so a, is this the a, game is itself this? is actually like, and I like the mechanics. So this game's mechanics are badass and cool and interesting and similar to what we just talked about. Not really, uh, I've seen it much in games. So what is the game? The game is a hack and slash game. So you're top down hack and slash little little character on the screen, and you play as Rhea, who's uh, basically gains attack powers as she fights enemies. Um, and how that works is well, let me tell you the story first. The story is is kind of throwaway. Um, you have rescued this, I guess, exper- a girl that was experimented on for some reason, and I won't do any spoilers, but. Uh, and then some other people come and take her away. So you've got to go to some undisclosed location and get her back. That's kind of it. Uh, but there's also like you're part of um, a, a troop of other heroes for some reason. And you all have like different powers. And it gets a little confusing after that. But all you need to know is you're trying to rescue someone. And you are a badass girl who fights in badass ways. And your main attacks... Uh, are you can dash, you can attack, you can uh, parry and block. And if you parry, you can attack, you know, obviously quicker and better uh, so that you want to parry in this game. And you can also aim. You can aim at the enemies and stuff. So what the game is, is there's a number above your head, and that's your attack power. This is the whole reason to play the game. And it's actually a really fun loop. So say it starts at 2, okay, your attack power is 2. You fight an enemy, and you can see their attack powers and, and numbers above their head. So say they might be like three or four. You know you have to hit them a couple of times to beat them. But if you're, you get your attack power up every time you beat someone. So say you beat an enemy, and now your attack power is four. You're going to be able to take out the other enemy much easier, right? Because you okay. have more attack okay. power. But the, the, here's the rub, as they say, is that your attack power goes down just by time, like timing. Uh, is this one of those ones where you got to like maintain a combo and like the timer counts down all the time? It doesn't count down all the time. It just goes back. Your attack power goes back down. Which oh, you would, man. I know, that I know. It's such a bummer game mechanic. Okay, hold on. I'll tell you why it, it isn't that much of a bummer. Because the boards are very, very short. Okay? Think like micro boards, right? And so they're all kind of connected together either by walkways or like these jump points. And you're dashing, and your dash is very fast, right? So you could literally dash almost to the end of the level pretty fast, you know. And then you're dashing away from enemies. So you don't necessarily have to – I don't think you have to beat all the enemies on the board, but I just seem to want to do that. Um, So your power goes up to like eight, let's say, okay? And the enemies you're facing are like twos. Then you're just like wiping them off the face of the map. Bing, 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 bing. Now you're going up to ten. Now you have no worries about the enemies, so it's not like you're like worried the number's going to go down. But if you like stop and stay still for too long, it'll go back down to two, but you're not going to die because you could still come fight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, your base level yeah. isn't like you're penalized totally or I would have stopped this game. You know, I would have been like, fuck, I'm out because I don't like that timing thing either. But what's fun is it just becomes this flow thing, you flow state you get into and you're like, Dash, parry, bing, bang, I'm up to 10, I'm taking out enemies, and I'm at the end of the board. So I like it for the loop, and you wouldn't think I would because I definitely get frustrated with time things, but I was getting to the ends of boards super fast. I'm talking like minutes, 
Do you know what I mean? This isn't yeah. like a yeah. long, long thing where like, oh, halfway through the board, I went back down to two and I just kept dying. I'm looking at videos here and it looks like kind of a top down, like a Diablo sort of perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess... It looks, I mean, I, granted, I haven't played this. I'm just looking really quickly. It looks pretty mashy. Uh, I mean, is it just like much variation in the combat or like how is the parrying? I mean, it seems pretty simple, straightforward from what I'm seeing here. It isn't mashy though. Yeah, it isn't because I, I, you can't really do that. You have to definitely parry and dodge. Dodge is the most important, like the dash button. If you dash around, you can pretty much survive and you could dash with power too and, and be fine throughout the whole board. Um, the pairing just gives you a little bit extra ability to attack quicker and, and with stronger force, but you don't need to. Um, but it isn't button mashy either. You got to, it's more about like placement on the board. Some of these, by the way, some of these boards that you're getting to are like, there's gaps and like, you can fall off, you know, the edge. Hmm. So you have to like, you know, hit these jump points or dodge, or like you can dash across platforms. So it's like platforming as well. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I felt it like click at some point and then i was just like wiping boards like fast and again the boards are very short the biggest problem i have with the game is not that which you would think it would be with the time thing the problem i have with the game is the story is just come on is it anime garbage it just feels weird and unfinished and the dialogue is not believable yeah that's the worst part and i was excited about it because they're anime girls on the cover you know it's like anime style and interesting kind of futuristic landscape and i'm like oh i'll get into the story and have a fun attack loop but i just don't like i don't like what i'm reading <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't know i mean i think pro- they probably didn't spend a whole lot of time considering such an action game like that and i mean i don't want to make assumptions but just no, from the I, yeah. quick look i took at it i mean i was like well yeah i can see what you're saying there. they came up with a mechanic which again i'm saying that i like Right. Yeah, but the, yeah. the secondary part of it, which is the story bit, just doesn't just doesn't feel good to me. Yeah. Um, that being said, would I recommend it at a, a, a sale price? I definitely would, because I don't know what it is now. You know, Carlos, I pay things full price. Yes. I yes. think it was like 15 bucks or something. I would say this is definitely like a five dollar, ten dollar thing. Okay. Um, but right. for the mechanic alone, it, I've never seen anything like it. Have you like with the power level like that? I mean, I've seen other games do similar things for sure. I don't know exactly the specifics of Ruvado, but that that does remind me of other games that I've played. And that's kind of why I groan so heavily, because I'm just not a fan of that style um, where, where games are constantly pushing you to like maintain a combo like that. It just has never worked for me like in any game. So I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what you're talking about. I, it seems like something that you wouldn't really grasp until you actually played it. But at the same time, between the story and the CG art style and you see that CGI style yeah now. and i'm like mm, Ooh, i would i would gamble five bucks on this i don't think i would buy it for full price yeah i think it definitely is a sale game and um <laughs> i hate saying that but i think the mechanic that they have again third time's the charm i'll say it but normally i don't like games that count down timer make me do a, a combo but i never you never feel like you're screwed if you let it go down to two you know two is like yeah. the base level and you go well i can still fight all right, fair enough, fair enough. That is, is Ruvato Original Complex. I think it's on all the platforms, I believe. It's original, um, right? There, <laughs> there you go. The other one that we're going to be talking about uh, with you here, Carlos, Rain on Your Parade. I, you brought this to the show. I didn't know very much about it, but it just turns out that it is on Game Pass, and my son had downloaded it when I wasn't watching, and he was actually playing it. 
So I don't know anything about it other than my son really likes it a lot. He said it was really cool. So please tell us about Rain on Your Parade. This game is so fucking cool. It really is awesome. I love it to death. It's like, um, you know, a game like a Katamari Damacy. Okay. Right? A game where you go, it's just joy. And yes. you're like, every level, you're like, oh, that's inventive and neat. And, and there's like a little bit of inside joke, you know, but it's also a family friendly game. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. It's like okay. just fucking awesome. And I'll explain what it is. But um, it's made by Unbound Creations. I don't know if it's their first game. It's on Game Pass. That's how I got to play it. Okay. Um, you basically start the game and it's a, a story time. So like a, a parent is telling their kid a bedtime story. And those little cutscenes do play out throughout the campaign. Uh, they're, they're few and far between, but they start off the game and then later on they'll come back. But what the the parent tells the kid, and they're just shadows on like a wall. Um, it, they're talking about like there being a cloud once, and the cloud, you know, it's really great to be a cloud because you can rain on things, and no one can come after you because uh, you can get away because you're a cloud. And it's got very tongue in cheek, and there's like like some dark humor, you know, mixed in with like family friendly gameplay. Um, and the kid's like, "That's awesome! This cloud could just rain on things and." can get away with it tell me more and then you play like different levels as the cloud but the cloud is like um like remember tearaway like those graphics almost uh it's kind of like really simple is it like a paper cutout sort of paper cutout style yeah and like you you literally are a cloud hanging on strings so it looks like you are yeah like a marionette cloud okay gotcha gotcha. um and the other cool feature before you even get into the gameplay is you can draw your own face on the cloud Oh, that's funny. Okay. Which is cool as shit because I love making little faces. And so I did that immediately. Be honest. Does your cloud have a dick on it? It doesn't. Why would I do that? (laughs) It's like 90% of the internet might do that, that are guys. Okay. (laughs) So that probably 9% of the clouds do have a dick on it, but mine doesn't. Clouds all over the internet. Okay. All right. Um, Move on. (laughs) So, like in the first level, it's like, um, you know, rain on these people. And it's, it's kind of funny because. You know, you're you're causing mayhem, and sometimes these people don't deserve it. You know, it's just I'm just gonna rain and make a mess right now, and uh, and it's funny, but like the checkpoints for each level are like rain on you know twelve people, or um, fill up this one you know bucket with water or something, or make this one thing fall over. Because what I didn't tell you is there's also physics in the game. So oh, when okay. you're raining on things, like shit would just go fucking sideways. You know. Um, and it's very funny. Like some of the scenes that you happen that happen are just like because of the physics. Well, a good example is this one. The kid in the cutscene says, "This one kid's been mean to me." And he goes, "Well, don't worry. That cloud is gonna go to that kid who's mean to you's birthday party, and he's gonna rain on it." And so you get to go to the birthday party and just cause havoc. And at some point, you even get to, and this is the other mechanic you can like set things on fire. If your cloud goes over things like oil, he can absorb the oil and then put the oil down and then you can fucking light the oil on fire. Oh, wow. So are you killing people when you're cloud or are they just No, but screaming? here's what's interesting. You In that level, your checkpoint is to burn all the kids' presents. <laughs> this is fu- fucking funny. It sounds pretty fun. It sounds and then, fun. I know, and unfortunately it's a family-friendly game and I've just been swearing the whole review. But... Um, the other point is, yeah, you can drop oil on the kids, and I did just to see what would happen. And they were like, ouch. <laughs> and I felt really bad. He's fine, though. The kids were fine, okay? 
no one got harmed. No one got harmed in the making of this game. But you can do things like that. You can kind of make your own fun as well. Another example of a board is like blow up everything in this warehouse, but you have to do that thing where you make the oil, you know, and the the fire catch hold of the oil and then uh, draw a line so it hits a missile and the missile will blow up and hit this other thing. So it's kind of what's that mousetrap thing? Oh, okay, gotcha. Like one thing does another thing and that thing sets off another thing, like a chain chain reaction of events. Chain reaction events. Here's the reason why it's the coolest. Not only has got like a little campaign mode, which is really fun, and you can customize your cloud as well and put like hats on it and stuff from things you win in levels. But there's a lot of video game references. So one time you meet a frog and he's like, you might have heard of me. I was in an old game where I ran across the street a lot. I see what you did there. See what you did there. The other one is there's a full-on level that's Metal Gear. Oh, really? Straight up Metal Gear. <laughs> it's just exactly Metal Gear. And you're a cloud, though, and you have to, like, sneak. Are you inside a cardboard box? No, but there is, like, a, an alert sound later at some point. Oh, really? <laughs> it's awesome. And I'm like, holy crap, how many more of those are in here, you know? Um, I didn't finish the game. I love it to death. I highly recommend it. Weirdly enough, the end goal of this game is Seattle. Okay. I did just they just told that in the story. I was like, okay, we're going to Seattle. I guess we're going home. I mean, lots of other rain here. I mean, maybe it's going to blend right. in with the the natural rainfall. Oh, that's what it was. It was like that's like the heaven for clouds. Oh, there you go. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Return to your people. Return to your people. I can't say enough good things about this. I apologize that I swore most of the review. It's physics based rain cloud thing uh, with a campaign, and it's really fun. It looks really fun. My son said it was great. He really recommended it. Uh, it's on Game Pass. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it. In fact, I believe I already downloaded it. I just need to make some time to actually sit down with it. My plate is a little bit full right now, but I do want to check it out. It sounds like a hoot. Yeah, it's full. your plate's full, but this is a short short experience, right? You just play one level, rain on some stuff, and then put it back, you know, and cool. then come back to it later. But uh, And they're all, by the way, there also is a boss <clears throat> at the end. So there is like kind of a final boss you have to beat, so... Wow. Yeah, I highly recommend this game, Rain on Your Parade, on Game Pass right now. All right, excellent. Rain on Your Parade sounds like a good time. All right, back over to me for a minute here. Uh, Carlos, a while ago, I don't even remember how long ago, but a while ago, you talked about a little indie PC game called The Longing. Do you remember that? Yes. You played that game a while ago. Um, was it more than a year ago? <laughs> I know after this and people will know what we're talking about in a second. I wanted to load up steam and see where my game's at because I think it might be. So my, I might be at the end of the you game. Should check. You should check. And I'll tell you folks why that's important. That's okay. a really strange question. Yeah. Uh, the longing is a 2d hand drawn, really interesting, challenging. And I don't mean challenging in the sense of difficult. I mean, challenging in the sense of it, it challenges what people expect from a video game. It challenges how you interact with a video game. It is challenging to your sensibilities. It is not challenging to your hands. Um, this was started by a, I feel like a, a short story of some kind by a student who uh, was in some part oh man, I feel like the Netherlands or something, or maybe it was Switzerland. I apologize. You know, we don't do any research here. We don't on, do any on, research. We don't do any research, but in that part of the world somewhere. Uh, and that short story became, this little indie game, the graphics are great. They're all hand-drawn. They look like kind of a scary fairy tale, sort of a aesthetic to it. Uh, lots of browns. Um, the premise is that there is a, I don't know, like a, like a troll king or some kind of like weird fairy tale king who lives deep underground. And he is really old and tired and he needs to sleep 
for 400 days in order to regain his energy. He goes to sleep and he creates you, the player. Uh, you are a little, they call him a shade, but it looks to me like a little troll or a, you know, a goblin or something like that. Uh, and he's like, okay, I got to go to bed for literally 400 days. And by the way, that's real time. 400 real time real days. days. Real world, actual, more than a year, real ass days. Um, and he says, I got to sleep for 400 days. Wake me up at the end of 400 days. I'm out. And then he like goes to sleep. And then you are left inside the king's underground kingdom for literally real time 400 days. Uh, and... It's challenging because you're all alone and you're sitting there and your only job is to wake up the king at 400 days. So you like, what do you do with your time? You are no one to talk to, nothing really to do at first. There's just lots of hallways. Um, his, his kingdom is shaped kind of like a, a labyrinth. I mean, maybe you will become more familiar with time. But whenever I walk around, I'm like, man, there's a lot of doors, a lot of hallways. They all kind of look alike a little bit. There are some landmarks. But as I'm wandering the halls, I'm like, well, I'm just kind of blindly wandering. I've got literally 400 fucking days, so I guess I can take my time. And I'm just like walking around and looking at stuff. And it's it's challenging and strange and bizarre because you know there's this countdown and you're just you're just left to your own devices. Like, how do you deal with the solitude? How do you deal with the the, the fact that you're like in this? I mean, I don't know if it's a prison, but basically you can't leave. The king is like, do not go above ground ever, period. Don't. And I am the king and you will do what I say because I created you. So, I mean, maybe you can go above ground at some point, but he tells you not to. And you got to just like hang out underground. And it's strange because there's like nothing to do at first, right? Like you're just this guy, this little goblin. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to just chill for like 400 days. You have a chair you can sit in. You have a little cave you can sit in. But there's like, like nothing in the cave but a couple books. There's a copy of Moby Dick. You can read... The Literally, real book, the real the entire book, book of yeah. Moby Dick. If yeah. you want to read every fucking page of Moby Dick, <laughs> the entire book is in there. I like that touch. That is a pretty good touch. Um, and then you got to just walk around like you just you got nothing to do but walk around. Um, so you like wander some halls. You find some coal eventually that you can use to start a fire. You find uh, a piece of chalk that you can use to do some drawings. Um, like you bring it back to your cave and he's like, I want to do a drawing. And there's like a couple of different things you can draw. You pick one. He's like, I'm going to draw a spider. And he like draws it like in real fucking time. Like you got to watch him draw it. Yeah, and it's not dude. like it just appears. He's like sketch, 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 sketch. And you see the drawing like slowly coming in. And I'm like, oh my God, he's doing it in real time. Holy shit. And like as you're wandering the halls, he gets to this big door and you want to open the door. And he's like, this door hasn't been opened in a long time. It might take a little while. And the door like creaks in like real time. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so slow. It's taking forever. This door, fuck, please open the door. Hurry up. <laughs> And he's like, I could probably squeeze through here, but I won't because that would be disrespectful to the door. And I'm like, oh, my God, we just go through the fucking door. door." But he waits. And the other thing about this game is that your your shade walks really slow. Too slow. Too slow. I agree. I'm going to say it it right now. I agree. I get that he has nowhere to be. I get that you're just killing time. But like his walking speed is torturously slow and in fact it's so torturously so i emailed um the pr who is handling this game who's a wonderful person um i don't know if they are listening to this uh show or not but she does great work uh very happy to work with her glad she sent me a copy of this game and i'm like hey yo um this walk speed can we talk about this because i get that this game is a slow burn i get it's all about being alone i get it's experimental and i love all that like that's all cool 
but the walking speed is driving me up a wall because it takes so long to walk. And she's like, well, let me check with the developer. And she's like, I brought the same issue up. You know, I thought that might be a problem for some players, but they said that was how it is. Right. So she checks again. There are a couple emails go back and forth. They're like, nope, that's it. Like you got to just deal. There's no, there's no speed shoes. There's no, I think there's warps at some point. Like you eventually unlock a couple of warp points. I'm not there yet. Maybe that's 200 days in. I don't know when that comes up. Uh, but she's like, yeah, it's just like, you got to just walk. So that part to me, I feel like is my only one real issue with the game. I don't mind waiting the 400 real time days. I do like maybe 10 minutes a day, but just walking is so slow that it, it, I, I want to go do something else while your person is walking. This was originally developed for PC, and I guess part of the idea was my dude walks really slow, so I'm going to click a location for him to go to, and then I'm going to alt-tab, and I'm going to do something else for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to come back, and he's going to be there by the time I come back. Yeah, That's a great idea on PC, but when you are playing on Switch, you can't alt-tab out and do something else, right? So it's either you watch him walk, which is really fucking boring, and it's painfully slow, and you can't just tell them to go somewhere and come back because if you close the game, the game stops running. Like, it'll still count down the real time because the game checks in with the Switch's internal clock, but nothing else will happen. Like, when you come back, your dude has fallen asleep on the exact spot where you close the game. So you can't even, like, send him on a mission and come back in half an hour. you got to, like, watch it, which is kind I, I, of a I problem gotta, for me. Yeah, i got to jump in because that's exactly my main problem with it. Because I would say, as a, as a Nintendo Switch, it is different than Steam, yes. where you can like you know minimize the window. Yes. But but you can like put down your Switch. You could just, you know because I do that with like just a regular game. I let sure. it go to sleep and sure. stuff. Sure, you can do that. You can do that. But the real point is that because yes, I want the the walk speed faster. Yes, um, I think that there is only probably so many rooms and things to go to, even though it's really I'm big. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, that's part of it. Okay. Uh, secondly, um, I, I, to, to, back up your point again about going a little faster is if I could go a little faster, there are a lot of things actually to collect. Cause I didn't play this for a while and there's more books. There's like real full books. Oh, okay. I haven't yeah. found any books yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I found a couple others. I think I have three books and I was like, do I want to sit down and just read this book now? Maybe. Cause I, it took me a while <laughs> to find it, you know? And there's more drawings and there's more uh, charcoal and stuff you can find. So I feel like if it walks people even just a little bit faster, you would be able to keep yourself busy. And then it's more like a meditative game, which I think is part of his vision. Where I'm, like, I'm sure. I'm sure. Right? And so, I, yeah, I'm with you on the walk speed because I know the vision, it sounds like, is this like experiential thing. But I don't think I don't think you have to suffer that, that walk speed. Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, that I really, really had a problem with is that you can't just set up a character to go do, like you said, an action. And that's how that's how this should work, because it is almost part of um, like you're going to spend 400 days in this thing. So why don't I send my little sim right yeah. off to go do some stuff like that's really <laughs> fun. Like that seems like it'd be a better version of the game. Yeah, I, I think that the the very nature of it being on pc he's there's a trick that's missing because i think something should have been changed for the switch version whether you can assign him a task whether you can pick a waypoint and just have him go to it and come back when you know like the game would should auto calculate if i had been walking while the switch was off now that it is 17 minutes later i predict that this character would be at this spot something like that would have worked right because just watching him walk is so slow and i want to explore man like i want to walk around and even if i hit the limits of what's there there's still a time component. There's still stuff that you can do. Um, I just, oh, the walking is so slow because you can't do anything else. And all, I got to be honest, man. 
I like this game a lot, and I'm still playing it, like I said, for about 10 minutes a night. Uh, but, like, I walk through one room, and by the time I get through one room, it's like, okay, I want to go play some Monster Hunter now because I need to do something yeah, yeah. other than watch this guy walk. And it's, it's like, and again, I don't have a problem with it, but to give you people listening, like, an idea of the scope of this, right? Like, I'm walking around on the first night. I, I, I just walk, watch him walk. I'm walking. I get to a cliff, and there is a pickaxe at the bottom of the cliff. You need this pickaxe for a bunch of stuff. You know it's important. But it's the bottom of the cliff. He's like, I can't jump down there. I'm going to die. Or I can't get down or whatever. He can't get down there. He's like, but there's moss at the bottom of this cliff. I bet that in two weeks there will be enough moss for me to jump down. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Literal two weeks, bro. Two weeks. And I'm like, okay, do I just set an alarm for myself on my Google Calendar and come back in two weeks? Or, like, do you want me to keep playing this game in those two weeks? I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like it, right? Like, I like it. It's crazy. It's super different. It's experimental. I like it. I just like, I want to tweak it a little bit. I know. And to your point, though, you just said about the moss thing. I'm also reminded of like Braid and Witness. I know it's both Jonathan Blow. But like the idea of like looking at a game differently, you know, like you just want to like, oh, I just want to run through it and do this or hit A or whatever. And like, you're like, no, no, no. You actually have to like think about games totally differently. Yes. Um, So that's kind of what that's doing. But I also agree with you that I wish it was faster. (laughs) I, res- I respect this game a lot. I really like this game a lot, but at the same time, like I've said many times, we are not infinite vampires living in a basement. I'm not going to be, I'm not an eternal person, right? Like I have limited time on this earth and I want to maximize that time. And I just feel like if this dude is walking a little bit faster, I would get a much more positive experience out of it. I know the developer is resistant to that, but Hey, sometimes you got to take a note, right? Sometimes you got to take the feedback. And I think with the new platform and with how much competition there is, I don't think it would be sacrificing the vision that much if the dude walked just like a little bit faster. So yeah. anyway, my feedback. And, and I do like the music and I do like some of the scenes that you come upon because it's almost like, again, one more one more uh, in defense of, of, of going slow. I remember being like so bored and so frustrated for so long down so many uh, hallways that were the same. And then when I found the hallway, which I'm guessing you haven't found because it's pretty fucking far, uh, there's another hallway and all of a sudden you, you go into it and it's like magical. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is a very cool moment, you know? Oh, and yeah. Dude. Would that oh, yeah. moment not have been as cool if I found it right away on, the, on day one or two, you know? So there's something to that, too. I, I mean, I agree with you, dude. And I think that is true because I was walking for a while. Walking, 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 walking. I found a piece of red chalk, and I'm like, yes, holy shit, a piece of red fucking chalk on the ground. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, fuck off, okay? It's a piece of red chalk. It's, like, literally less than nothing. But this game is so stark, and it puts you through so much that, like, I was thrilled to find the red chalk, right? So I get it. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, you got a good point. I just, I feel like there's, like, a little bit of wiggle room in here to make it just, like, less torturous. I agree. There's wiggle room, but I also recommend it. So, yes. Yes. Yes to both. Yes, and. Yes, and to the longing. Okay, a couple more games, then we're out of here. Next one is one that we have both played. I have not finished. Have you finished uh, the game we're about to talk next? Hitchhiker? I finished it, yes. All right, this is Hitchhiker. It is a indie narrative, another experimental experience. Uh, yes. Basically, you play a person who is in a car. You're getting a ride from someone, and the game is basically just like having conversations with people while they are driving you around from place to place. Um, I, there are five chapters in the game total. I have played the first two and I am still playing the game. Carlos has finished all five. Uh, interesting. I want to hear your feedback on this, Carlos. I will chip in, but I do feel like this one circles back to the discussion we had a little bit in the resident evil section where you don't like games that kind of are dreamlike and you don't know what's going on. 
I think that's a pretty accurate description of what's going on here. At least so far, I have found it to be very surreal and dreamlike, uh, which is half work and half not for me. But what is your take on this game, Carlos? Tell us about it. Yeah, I'd love to get your take after uh, my my info dump here. Um, it, by the way, it comes from Mad About Pandas is the developer name. Come on. That's awesome. It's a cute name. Uh, and yeah, they call it a mystery game. It really is. And to my foreshadowed point about Resident Evil... Resident Evil will do things like give you some grounded rules of the game and the game world where you can shoot guns and you have physics and you can, you know, uh, get hurt and then you can kill a zombie. But then all of a sudden the rules are out the window. Right. And a whole cutscene just washes that away and you're in some other place and something else is happening. Well, this game is kind of just the dream world and um, the whole game. And I don't want to spoil anything because it's a really cool experience, but I think that's good to know going in. The groundedness of the game is really only told in like cutscenes and uh, flashbacks. And that's when you kind of get an idea of what the in quotes real world is. It's actually very similar uh, or analogous. Is that how you say it? Analogous. 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 Analogous to uh, Mulholland Drive. Quick tangent with David Lynch because we brought him up before. Uh, in Mulholland Drive, the whole movie is a metaphor about a specific set of things, which I won't spoil. But that's very similar here where the real world is told in some cutscenes and through different parts of the narrative, but what you're experiencing in the game is just something else. And I think it's good to tell you that up front because it seems like you're just getting in a car in the beginning and, yeah. and driving with somebody and talking to this person who picked you up because you're a hitchhiker, but it quickly becomes apparent that that's not the case. I mean, in the first ride, as long as I was, I was not prepared for that, dude. I was, <laughs> I saw the the trailer and I knew a little bit about it, and I thought it was going to be, I knew it was about talking about to to people in cars, but I thought it was going to be more of a, a mystery, like more of a more of a grounded mystery. Like I didn't yes. think it was going to be as dreamlike and surreal. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm piecing together clues and I've got to find out who the killer is or something. I thought it was going to be that kind of game. It is one million percent not that kind of game, right? Which is good to tell people up front because you know yeah, a lot of it prepared. is be expectations, prepared. right? Yes. I also did the same thing, so I think it's a marketing issue, right? Where yeah. I think they can market this game in a better way, where it explains the kind of things that I'm explaining right now. Um, so I agree with you on that. I thought I was just getting in a car, different cars, and you have to solve like a puzzle. You know. Uh, that being said, there are puzzles in this game, uh, yes. and, and quite a bit of them near the end because there's a bunch of different stuff you have to do. But the whole idea is similar to the game, the longing and the things we just talked about looking at games differently. This is about, it's an experiential thing that talks about memory. It talks about uh, people's stories. And at the heart of it, it is a mystery about what happened to you. Like, who are you? Classic amnesia type thing. But who are you? What happened? Uh, there's a connection to your girlfriend. You don't know where she is. You don't know what happened. There's some sort of thing that happened and it makes you not remember what, what you know where you are. But you, again, right after the first driver who picks you up, realize that weird, magical stuff's going on. So, again, without spoiling anything, the whole game is kind of a lucid dream and things float in and out. And why I don't like it in Resident Evil, I do like it in this because after the first ride, you know that that's what this game is. It's just going to be like this weird storytelling and piecing together what happened to you. That said, the ending is anticlimactic. Oh no. Which is which is tough, but some might say, 
I'm very much like on both sides of the coin this whole episode, I just realized. But some might say that it's the experience and the and the, the journey. What is it? Is it the friends you made along the way? No, it isn't actually. No, no one <laughs> no one in this can be trusted, by the way, just so you know. Uh no, no, it's more about the journey than the destination. The journey than the destination, sure. So the destination is like nothing. I mean, like it is literally roll oh, credits. That sucks. And I was that like, sucks. "Whoa, bro!" Because the whole time was leading to like something really big. But then after I finished and I'm rolling the credits, I did have enough information to know what happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you probably don't because not yet. But I, I understand what you mean. But I haven't got there. There's yet. enough info dumps, you. you know, right? With if you read between the lines, you know what happened. Sure. sure. So. There's also like weird mini games while you're talking to people in different lucid dream scenarios and stuff. And there's also really interesting stories told with like a brand new art style. Um, there's there's TV shows and movies that do this, but when all of a sudden like a new art style comes in and you weren't expecting it, you know? Um, yeah, like in the first, like you're looking at kind of like semi cartoony um people kind of like team fortress style people or something when you're driving a car but then the very first cutscene is like chalk animation on a yes. black background it's like a wildly different medium type right and they keep doing that so each driver i feel like has a story that is told in a totally different style of art and that's just really interesting so um yeah overall i really like the experience i was confused at the beginning once i finally figured out what it was i liked the storytelling device that they did uh, it just feels so like you're in, transported to another dream, really. It feels like you're in a dream. And there's some serious issues, though, like about relationships and uh, accountability. And they're 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 really trying to say some stuff. So what what do you think about your at least experience with the two drives, the two drivers? I mean, interesting, right? So I'm not even halfway. I'm only two fifths of the way through. So I still got, uh, you know, three more sections to see before I can pass a final judgment. But, you know, like I said, I was not expecting it to be so dreamlike. I thought it was going to be more of a grounded murder mystery sort of a thing. Um, or maybe like a dialogue heavy, like choice based narrative dialogue tree or something. And that's not what this is either. I mean, you do talk to people when you're driving, you see it from first person, you're, just, you're sitting in the front seat of a car and the car is just kind of like endlessly drive through these kind of samey looking areas. It's kind of like you said, surreal dreamlike. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool for what it is, but, I just wasn't thinking it was going to be that. So when I figured out that's what it was, I'm like, okay, not my favorite style of game because I don't like that dreamy weemy. Anything goes, anything can happen. The dream logic is whatever works in the moment. I like things to be more grounded and realistic in the sense that, like I said, in the, in the Resident Evil section, tell me what the rules are and then don't break the rules. And that way it gives me a good framework to, to go through and it helps me figure things out. And I can, I know what I can do, what I can't do. Um, in this game, I feel like, anything goes like you're in one section you're trying to find a person but it's not actually a person it's a thing and then you see this thing and you got to find this other thing and i mean it's none of it's really logical it's very dreamlike which is okay um i mean it's all right it's not my favorite kind of stuff right it's not my favorite kind of jam yeah but i think that the the dialogue is okay so far um i kind of got a general sense of kind of where it's going but i got to be honest um Playing it, I found to be, it's very passive because you're just sitting in a car. You do choose between two choices when dialogue pops up, but that's all you're doing. It's like you say A or you say B. And the puzzles, when they come up, you're doing the puzzles. I mean, maybe this changes later, but so far, all the puzzles have been stuff that you can do while you were sitting in the front seat of the car. So it's like, find an object. Okay, well, I'm in the front seat of the car. There's only so many places it could be. So you find those pretty quickly, which is fine. But 
Overall, I feel like it's a pretty passive experience, and I'm not fully invested in the story yet. Um, so I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm kind of biding my time. I'm waiting for it to pick up a little bit. I don't know that it will. Uh, and hearing you say that about the ending, I'm already like, oh, no, that's yeah, that I don't think this game's for you. I, it I, might not be my kind of game. Yeah. I, but I do think it picks up. And also an example of a puzzle later on, they're, they're not all like that. Like an example okay. of a puzzle is there's these little um, doohickeys. It doesn't matter what they are. And every time you uh, press X on them, they do a voice, which is a memory. And then when you, uh, it's so trippy. And then when you click the other uh, object, if it matches the same memory, they'll turn and it'll open like a lock. Like me describing it and just hearing myself describe it sounds like me describing a dream. You know, like, oh, you know that part? And that was in the yeah. dream. And all of a sudden the car took off. And So yeah, the whole thing's a dream. I think it really does work at times. At times it feels a little too convoluted because one of the stories I'll tell you it's not much of a spoiler, but there's a story that one of the um, drivers tells you, and it's about getting stuck in an escalator, like falling down. Oh, yeah, I did, I did see that story. Oh, you saw that. But that yeah. comes out of so nowhere and never really like comes back in any real way. <clears throat> but then and I met one of the last drivers, is Arabic guy, and he talks about being in exile and all his like struggles. And I'm like really like happy and glad to hear his story just in general. Like, it's a really interesting and terrible experience he had to go through in his country. And in the beginning of that scene, by the way, he's speaking in Arabic, and you don't understand him. And you have to, like, do something to make him, like, translate and turn into English. But that whole thing is an interesting kind of like, hey, let's look at life from a different perspective, right? Right, right, right. But it also doesn't really match fully the final kind of main through line story. So this 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 game is a dream. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like it's very dream logic. It's very surreal, very disconnected. Um, and I mean that's that's a genre, right? Like some people really like those games. I don't think I'm the biggest customer for those games. Um, especially the stories that I've seen so far are pretty oblique, and I just I'm like, okay, like I'm waiting for this to kind of click home for me, and I'm I'm not sure that it ever will. So I think it's neat. It's a great idea very interesting you know presentation and perspective from being in the front seat of the car and driving around i mean it's pretty cool but uh i i'm just perhaps not the right customer for this it seems yeah. like you're getting more out of it than i am I which am. is totally fine that's how i um, finished it you know what i mean it yeah. was it, it caught me enough by the way there's two last things i want to say about it in the very beginning i thought this was going to be a scary game because you remember this the first driver uh he starts like singing this song about hell and it's scary he gives like serial killer vibes for sure. Yes, and but his that song, and then he turns on the radio, and the songs on the radio. That's not a spoiler. That's just like a creepy moment that happened. I thought the whole game was going to get creepier, you know, and so yeah. I was like, freaked out by that. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It get, doesn't get scarier. Um, it really is just about there is a main story here, and I did get it wrapped up for me, even though there was no official ending. And I think it's a unique experience, and I. I like it and I recommend it. I don't know what price point it's at right now. I, again, I buy things whenever they go up, but um, I think it's affordable. It's like ten dollars or something, and I like the experience. It's a unique new thing, and I like the ending. And by the way, the couple that that are referenced in the whole thing—you're a person and you have a girlfriend—they are in Seattle. They're, yeah, are they, they, they come did from mention Seattle. Seattle. That's true. That's yeah. True. 
Yeah, definitely worth a look. It's definitely something that colors outside the lines, which I think is pretty cool. I'm still going to play it. I mean, it seems like it's going to be short enough, ultimately, that I think probably like one more night I'll probably have it finished up. Um, so I, I think it's worth seeing. Um, maybe not my cup of tea, but a, a cup that I'm happy to sip from a little bit, perhaps. Oh, that's so. a good way to put it. There we go. That is Hitchhiker. I believe it's on all the platforms right now. Uh, I am out of games for this week, but Carlos, we've got one more to do. We're going to circle back to Outriders. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it earlier. It seems like you have been really oh, all in on this. So why don't you give us a really quick update on Outriders, and then we're going to bounce. I know. We are at time, as they say. Uh, well, we don't have a time, but, you know. So real quickly, this game I love, which is crazy. Both of us didn't really have fun in the demo. Uh, the frustrations were there. I found the flow. I talked about last episode. I love the flow. I'm in the flow with the magic powers, the shooting, um, and I beat the game. Did we talk about that? Uh, we did not talk about that, no. So I beat the campaign. I made a comedy sketch about this and went off on Twitter. But essentially, I think, and I still recommend this, keep the world tier at a low level. Don't worry about being, you know, get good and all that stuff. <clears throat> Just if you want to see the end of the story, which is a pretty okay Mass Effect story and actually gets pretty darn good at the end, like I was surprised. You know what I mean? I think I mentioned there was like a twist or something. Yeah, you did. You it's did. really cool. So there's two reasons why you want to do the campaign. One, again, just put it on world tier one, two, just something simple. It goes up to 15 world tier. So to give you an example. Beat the game because it's fun and it's interesting and there's like, you know, you'll still get better at your abilities and you'll still level. And then when you go back and correct me if I'm wrong, but very few games that especially like our games as services will continue the campaign like rules of the land as you keep playing the game. How do you mean? So like so at the end, something big happens and let's say people might die. Right. Mm -hmm. And people might live and blah, blah, blah. And then once you finish that campaign, you go to like some camp and, and I feel like every other game, the world would be reset, right? Like you'd be like, oh, if you want to play the campaign again, you can. And that person's back to life. And, you know, and we never went and, and did this war over there because it's like you have to keep playing the game. But in this one, like, yeah, characters have died and the secret missions you can do, like uh, missions you can keep playing, reference your campaign, Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think some games, I mean, it, it, I feel 50, like it's few and right? far between. So I feel like some some do like you reach the end of the story campaign, but the world is still there. You keep progressing. I mean, something like the division or whatever, where you can finish the story campaign, but you keep playing in the world. It just continues on. And I'm sure that happens with destiny and stuff. Yeah, it, it depends, though. I have seen some that do make you replay the campaign, some that kind of continue on. I think it's just like a choice in development. Okay. But I've seen both. Well, I guess I haven't played enough to, to know that. You're right. I think the division did do that, which is great. Um, and that's why I did probably play that a lot because I like that idea that you've you've done this huge thing, you know, and it's 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 uh, persistent. That's the word word I want. Okay, so anyways, that happened. That made it more fun. I went back in. I'm leveling up. Um, and yeah, just in general, I'm not really playing multiplayer. I know that's what everybody has having the most fun with. But for me, I like feeling empowered, leveling up, and I'm just having a great time. And I want to say this, uh, I'm tier eight now so anybody originally telling me to get good can just eat shit because uh, i'm gonna go to 15 easily and i'm level 30 out of max 40 so you can tell where i'm at okay gotcha, gotcha. Um, and my last thing about the game and in general for this podcast for this episode 
the tangent I want to go on is I tried to stream it at some point on my Xbox Series X. As we've talked about on PlayStation 5, it's very easy to stream, right? It's like a button. Yes. You go, bing, I'm done. I'm streaming. So I like for the first time, I hadn't streamed from Xbox Series X. I thought I'd do it. There's no button. You have to download the Twitch app, and then you have to go to your computer and to put in a code. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did all that, and then I uh, streamed it to my Twitch and uh, buffering and pixelated. Oh, no. And I put it all the way up, bitrate up, 1080p. I have a you know good connection. It was they when I uh, dug down into the forums. It's the Xbox. They clearly were not thinking about that when they were putting. They weren't thinking about the streaming of their new game, just like they weren't thinking about their headphones. Which brings us back to they're going to (laughs) become Sega. Very possible. Yeah, I mean anybody who's not taking that into account right now is a little bit, uh, or maybe a lot behind the curve. So I haven't. I have streamed on my. PS4. I have not streamed on the PS5. Uh-huh. I pr- I've not done it on the Xbox, but I I do know that some are definitely more complicated than others. It's, it's sad to hear that the Xbox has not got that locked down yet. So can maybe... you can you for the podcast and for a test? Can you stream from your Xbox Series X? And next episode we'll talk about it. I mean, I can maybe give it a shot, although I, I probably will get too annoyed before I even get it running. So well, it's just doing the app connection. Once you do that, I just want to see if your connection, you know, if you have the same kind of issues because literally nothing should have made it like like bad quality yeah and i was so frustrated because i was like i think i'm pretty good at this game and i kind of want to show off now (laughs) i've never wanted to do that you know what i mean excellent well i don't know keep at it i'll give it a shot i'll see what happens and then we can circle back and we can mutually complain about the streaming on xbox give it a shot so we can complain and we're done and we're done that is a monster of a show thank you all so much for listening folks glad to have you aboard we'll be back again and do it again for sure but for now that's it. I'm tired, uh, by the way. This, I'm this tired en- also. This one tired me out because we had vitriol. We had good reviews. We had a lot of housekeeping. I'm tired. I am, I'm tired and hungry, and I feel like I want to go upstairs and make some tater tots because I need a little salty snack right now. Dude, um, at the end of May, I'm coming to your house, and you're making me food. T- <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, tater tots are not going to cook themselves, so I got to get out of here. But before we go, we want your questions and comments. Hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Sevideo Games, but you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where am I directing people this week? YouTube.com slash a lot of things. All right. And as for me, same as always, Twitter and Instagram, mostly Twitter. Uh, my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 229. Thank you again for joining us here on the Sevideo Games podcast. And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And this is, hey, go rain on someone's parade. Rain on your parade's a really fucking great game. I had to swear again. It's really good. Yep. That's it.